go somewhere else. I can't take this nonsense anymore. How are you gonna blame the defense? I got the power. Screw green bean. <laughs> Damn it. But once you get to the sausage, I feel like we're doing something. Go Jets. And that's the other part of this, the people are insanely jealous of this show. This show gets the best of the best, and it does a different way, with positivity. He scores! Ow, oh, my head is, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. What would you give up to see a Jets Super Bowl? All of my friends and family. <laughs> Hit those milk dung, boys and girls. Freeze run. Freeze. Jets, Jets, Jets. Hold on to your underwear, ladies, and stand by, bitches. It's now time for Talking Jets with your hosts, Matt, Ryan, and Greenbean. Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my fabulous co-pilots. I have Mr. Greenbean to my this way. I got Mr. Matt O'Leary to my that way. Greenbean, how you doing tonight? Hold on to your underpants. Isn't that what he says in the beginning there? Hold on to your panties, boys and girls. Here we are. What an exciting thing to say. That gets me excited. I don't know about you guys. This is going to be great. The offseason is kind of really almost here. We get to watch a few more weeks of painful playoff football. That's not us. And then it's over. And then we can move on. And that makes me excited. Let's talk about it. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Oh, the greatest tragedy ever told. Uh, the Buffalo Bills <laughs> fortunately fall to the Kansas City Chiefs and their daddy Patrick Mahomes. So I had a good. It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend watching football. Oh, it made me feel good. Everything's right in the world. The Dolphins got smacked back down. The Bills missed wide right. It's just it's it's the way things need to be in the world. Otherwise, things, you know, the world shifts off its axis, things like that. Boys and girls, if you're just hopping in here, make sure you hit that like button. You know, do we want to do the every 25 likes thing again? We haven't done that in a while. Creepy, do you want to do Nightbot? Well, you'd have to tell me what that is again, because I, uh, you know. So remember when we used to do every 25 likes we'd get, you can hit, uh, you know, exclamation point winner. See, try it. See if it works in the the chat. I don't know if I actually set up Nightbot through here, so. Oh, this is good. Then I can fight with everybody. Hey, don't do that. <laughs> I think that's, uh, let's see if it actually works. We'll see. Oh, man. Uh, either way, <laughs> boys and girls, make sure you, you hit that like button on the way in. If you want to get entered into our t-shirt jersey giveaway at the end of the stream, all you got to do is hit that like button here. Leave a comment on this video after it's aired. You'll get into next week's t-shirt giveaway. And if you leave a timestamped comment uh, down below, it'd be greatly appreciated. That's how you'll get entered into next week's. So you got to leave a timestamp comment. Uh, but we got a whole bunch of stuff to get into. We could talk about the Senior Bowl. We could talk about the mock drafts. Both Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper both released mock drafts in the last week. And then we have a new coach added to the roster. And we also have uh, a little bit of stuff going on with Sauce Gardner. Sauce was, uh, he retweeted a, a comment from Richie over on Jets Media asking about which free agents would you want to, to target or which one the Jets are, that's currently not being talked about that you'd like to see talked about. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We could chop it up with that. Uh, Blitzcrew comes in and says, nice to hear from some high football IQ people. Blitzcrew. Who's that? That's not us. There's no way It can't us. be us. Because <laughs> we're a bunch of... <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> All right. I guess let's... Uh, do we want to jump off with like the divisional round and talk a little bit about that? Or do we just want to say, screw the playoffs. We'll talk about Jet stuff. Let you guys, you know, guide me. What do you think, Matt? 
Um, I mean, we could we could take like five minutes to revel in the Buffalo Bills doing the thing again. Why not? I don't know if we have to go through every game, but I feel like that one has mm-hmm. the biggest connection because they're you know division rival, and there was a lot of talk up there from Buffalo that they're finally getting them in their house, and this time is going to be different, and they lost again. Yeah, and not gonna lie, it was it felt really good to see it, and you have like. Jason Kelsey jumping out of the the window with the beers and everything. He was a bigger star than than Swift was at that particular game. And yeah. look, I'm looking at the Chiefs right or not the Chiefs. I'm looking at the Bills right now. And I'm saying, ooh, they are prime to lay an egg next year because Josh Allen's contract balloons in like the worst way. And even if they restructure it, it's still going to be not a bad cap hit, but it's not going to get as low as you'd, you'd like to see it. They're way over the cap. Von Miller, the best thing he could do for that Bills team is friggin' retire. Like his contract next year is brutal on their salary cap and they're going to wind up losing a bunch of guys. I think there's a really good chance that Stefan Diggs ends up getting traded to the New York Giants. Giants have two second round picks, a need for a wide receiver and Dable is over there. So I feel like that would be a a relatively decent landing spot if the Giants actually want to do that. I could see them also hitting the reset button, getting a younger receiver in the draft. Uh, Greenbean, what did you think about our our division rivals losing to the, the Chiefs in the fashion that they did? Uh, well, you know, I think it's um, super wonderful. You know what? I, I Let me point out another wrinkle. Did you see the the Bills Mafia and Gabe Davis interaction? I did. Yeah. He was yelling. He was yelling at the crowd. I didn't hear what he said. I just I saw oh, that it was like he died Right. There was, it was hard to understand every word, but he definitely said, uh, fuck you. So whatever they were saying to him, you know, and it was hard. It was messy. But there was a lot of like, uh, let's just call it um, a decompensation of our composure mm. up there in Bill's Mafia land. So uh, for me, again, I never like to think that any human being is unhappy for any reason whatsoever. But in the NFL realm, while you're wearing that jersey in that stadium, boy, oh boy, does it make me happy to see our division rivals just losing their marbles. Uh, because every year it seems to be the same thing. Since they've been kind of the cream of the AFC East, it doesn't matter. They're, it's It looks very, very similar once they get to a certain point, the the, the divisional game, and they just they, they blow it. And the fans are frustrated. I get that. But um, – for me, it's real nice to see. And like you said, like Diggs. So Gabe Davis is, you know, whatever's going on with him, he might not be there next year. Diggs doesn't look like he'll be there next year. Uh, the whole Josh Allen thing, you know. Von, so that team, we might be seeing the end of this incarnation of the team. Now, where will they go? Maybe it's better. Who knows? But it's nice to see them not be able to capitalize on all the positivity that they had because I hate them. And I hate him from a very, uh, you know, envious potentially uh, standpoint. But it's nice for me after the Dolphins getting smacked around, like you said earlier, to see the Buffalo Bills out and I no longer have to worry. I don't love the Chiefs. I don't love the Swifty thing. I don't. But the lesser of two evils makes me real happy. Uh, Hennessy comes in and says, the offseason, mock draft season, optimistic season. This is where we thrive, Jets fans. This is where we live, but it's 2024. It will be different. So we need to make sure that this mock draft season, we don't just win the offseason. We actually win the regular season as well because it's been a long time coming. Now, to that one point, just realize, 
when we win the offseason. That's like fun from, from February through September or through through August. That's a long amount of time. Really, the Super Bowl winner <laughs> does, is the only other person that has as much fun as we do. You know, glass half full, baby. Great. Do you know what today is? What was that? You know what today is? The anniversary of? Oh, today, what is it? Today, is this the anniversary of the Jets beating the Patriots? Is that right? No, this is the anniversary of the Jets' last playoff game 13 years ago today. We know how it ended. Uh, it was not a win. Uh, but, yeah, 13 years to the day that the Jets even played in a playoff game. Can we let that sink in for a second here? That's wow. a long I, mean, I think my favorite stat that I saw was that since 2009, there has not been a team, or we have not had an AFC championship game with someone other than the last name Mahomes, Brady, or Sanchez. That's incredible. Warms the heart. Or Sanchez. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's uh, wonderful. Um, you know, you think about it, 13 years, my daughter wasn't even alive. You know what I mean? Like, that's how long ago it was. My son was like three. Richie was a zygote. Like, did you see his picture from <laughs> – did you see his picture he posted from the last time Jets were in the playoffs? He looks so young. Yeah, he's a little fetus. Was so young. I, was in, I was in 10th grade history talking to my good buddy Kyle Macrodakis. Shout out the Macrodakis family behind me who had season tickets. Uh, mm. And I got to go to a couple games with them, but – yeah, uh, it's a long freaking time since the Jets were in the playoffs. Hennessy comes in and says, I want Green Bean in the draft room. Oh, actually, you know what, guys? I Well, first off, yes, we want Green Bean in there, but we're going to draft a yes. zillion tight ends if Green Bean's in the draft room, let's be honest. Uh, That's right. But, but let's be, uh, you know what? We were talking, we were kicking around the idea a little bit. So I'm going to throw a poll question in the chat. You guys can let us know if this would be something that would be of interest to you. Would you attend a in-person talking Jets draft party if we decided to do that? We're trying to figure out if it makes sense to do it, where we're going to do it, uh, all that good stuff. But if you guys would want to do that, at least it gives us an idea of like what to maybe expect or, or potentially do it. The plan would still be to uh, simulcast. So we would still do a, a broadcast for the first round, second round, third round, but a in-person draft night for uh, round one. Sounds fun. I, I'm excited to be in person. I love in-person events. I don't get to see Ryan and Greenbean very often, so I like to see their beautiful faces. I love to meet everyone who watches us all the time, and we get to have a live reaction, a live fan cam of when our pick goes. That That's phenomenal content for both YouTube and in real life. I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, I would go. I'm I telling so. you. Yeah, I'd show up, everybody. I know it. <laughs> I think I yeah. can find some time. I, I, you know, I'm probably not very busy on uh, on draft night, other than you know hanging out with you guys anyway. So it just kind of makes sense if we we did it all together. That would be a good time. I think it would be uh, would be fun. Uh, while that goes on in the live chat, let's hop over to a few questions or a few mock drafts. I, that's that's more so what I'd like to to hit on. We got to see Mel Kuyper's mock draft this past uh, yeah, well today actually it dropped. And the New York Jets wound up taking tackle out of Penn State, Olu Fashanu. He is uh, he fell to the New York Jets. The top few picks went Caleb Williams, number one, Jaden Daniels, number two to Washington. Then it was uh, Drake May to the Patriots, 
Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals. Bowers, number five, to the Chargers. Malik Neighbors, number six, to the Giants. Seven was Joe Alt to the Titans. Eight, I think, was the edge rusher out of Alabama, whose name is escaping me at this particular no. point in time. Um, then nine was Rome Odunze. And then Olu Fashanu is there for the New York Jets at number 10. As far as big boards right now, CBS Sports has him number three overall prospect. Draft Tech has him number four. Uh, Pro Football Network has him number five. PFF number nine. And NFL Draft Buzz as number 10. So the Jets would be getting a top 10 prospect at number 10. And for a lot of people, a top five prospect, if this were the case I would absolutely run to the podium if this guy was available. We need a left tackle in the worst way. His knock is that he's, like, not great at running. I don't care. I want to have someone who's good at pass blocking. We're so good at running anyway. I can live with the growing pains from the running. He's six foot six, 319. He's a team captain. Another big thing Jet fans or Jet, uh, you know, draft scouts look for. It's because they are leaders on their, their college team. They want leaders in the NFL as well. Both uh, Sauce and Garrett, all those guys are are captains from their college teams. 1,300 snaps at left tackle. He's deemed an exceptional athlete by his scouting report. Uh, He had the 58th hardest strength of schedule, so sort of middle of the pack as far as the the tackles are concerned. And he only has five career penalties through three seasons of play. Uh, Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What was your reaction to Mel Kuyper's mock draft? What do you think of uh, Olu Fashanu at number 10? Uh, you would see a very happy Matt O'Leary at this draft party on uh, night one if Olu Fashanu is the pick for the New York Jets at pick number 10. Uh, I think if he's there, it's a no-brainer. He is by far, in my opinion, the best pass blocker in this draft class. And while you admit like his run blocking could use some work, it's not atrocious. It's not to the point where he isn't worthy of a you know first-round pick or a top 10 pick it's just he's so far and away a pure and established pass blocker at his young age i mean he's just 21 years old uh and that's the important piece to 2024 isn't it don't you want to keep aaron Rodgers upright i love the idea of someone who's a great run blocker you know that was the calling card for avt and joe tipman and i get it i'm not anti taking a, a run blocking specialist but when you have someone who's so good in pass pro when you struggled at it so badly the year before and you have a 40-year-old quarterback coming back from an injury. Get me the guy who could pass protect. Greenbeam, what about you? Have you watched much about Olu Fashanu yet or how would you feel yeah. if he was there at number 10? Yeah, I would love it. I mean, uh, I think, you know, the, and we'll get to the other draft. I think this is a better scenario for for me. I, I like the idea, like Matt said, I mean, the – it's the key this year, no matter all the stuff we want, the key this year is we have to go all in on this Aaron Rodgers experiment actually working, uh, betting on the uh, the old man and the uh, and the Becton. Uh, it didn't work, man. And uh, we got a little window into how desperate, if you will, uh, our need really is getting a guy. If you have to pick a weakness with the dependence upon Aaron Rodgers working out, if I had to pick a weakness, it would be the run game. I would prefer that the passing game is uh, is where our draft pick tackle is stellar. 
And that's what we're looking at here. Um, I would love this pick. Now, me personally, I struggle to think that he'll make it there. But maybe. I mean, you know, you look at these mocks, and it's early, man. We're not even at the Senior Bowl, the Combine. There's all kinds of shuffling going to happen. We know that. But just to talk about this the way that it is, if guys like Joe Walter slide into seven and and Fashanu is at 10, and then you still have the Mims and Fuagas and, and all those guys of the world out there, that would be best case scenario, in my opinion. Um, because we want to get one of those top tackles that look like they're going to have a good shot of being uh, what we would call a blue chipper, somebody that can come in and impact the game right away. So not somebody who needs a year or two to really kind of develop into, we need it to work right now. And being able to do that, I think would be stellar. Um, I would love it if Fashanu landed at 10. This would be absolutely awesome. And now I guess this sort of makes you think like, what would you do in free agency that would lead you to this potential pick? And maybe there is nothing that you would do in free agency that would prevent you from making this selection. But one thing that I would like to look at in free agency is someone that has positional flexibility at tackle. So it allows you to make this pick a lot more clear headed. So like if you go after, let's say a Trent Brown from Brown. New England, I, I dude, I, he's an interesting prospect because he, there were reports out of New England that he was always late to meetings. He was lack of motivation. And I think being on a really bad team creates that lack of motivation. I think, you know, some of the, the rumors coming out might have him bent a little bit. So maybe he's like, screw the Patriots. I'm not going back there to the same regime because Jared Mayo's there. It's the same people that are going to be there next year. I think that he may want to stick it to the Patriots and stealing a division rivals tackle that has left tackle, right tackle flexibility. That gives you the option in the draft to put Trent Brown at left tackle and to put AVT at right tackle in the event you don't get your offensive lineman that you need. You can go with a pure best player available. And best case scenario, you get Olu Fashanu at left tackle. Trent Brown kicks over to right tackle. AVT's your guard. Now you have the decision with Titman. Do you want to make him the center? Do you want to make him the left guard or right guard? You know, if AVT flips over, whatever you want to do. And then I think McGovern's probably coming back. Aaron Rodgers wanted to take snaps from a veteran center anyway. I could see that being the route they go, at least for right now. Um, and all those guys having flexibility between guard and center. This would just absolutely be a home run of a pick if you could land him. Matt, anything else additional you want to add to uh, Fashanu? Uh, just a, a Trent Brown comment, if I can. He would fit mm -hmm. in quite well here. One healthy season in the last five years. Oh, well, you know what? Tyron Smith never has any, you know, always has injuries. Bakhtiari's always got injuries. Like, there's a lot of, like, injured players players so i guess it depends how many games he's missing and like well how many games was he missing matt because that's what i'd like to know yeah yeah wait we'll look at this hold, hold on matt, matt Ele 11 17 9 5 and 11 the last five years he missed that many games or that's how many he played in that's the number he played in he played no matt in. are you looking at the combination of the raiders and patriots to one year how many he played for each team? That was four years ago, I think, right? Like, he's been on the Patriots oh, now for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I one person that. that was brought up to me as a left tackle that you could try to get and might be a cut casualty is the left tackle from the Broncos. It would save them $16 million against the salary cap, and they're going to be in a big hole after they cut Russell Wilson. It's going to be like an $80 million cap hit. So if they want to split it over two years, it's still $40 million, and they're already 24 over the cap. 
So if that guy shakes loose, then maybe you go after him. He would probably be the immediate best tackle available for us to go after. Um, the tackle market's just such a, a bad, like, it's not, not a good, uh, there's no clear-cut top guy like there was with Orlando Brown or uh, Conklin or, or one of those guys. Any thoughts? Green bean. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What would you say, Conklin? Like Conklin. Is that well, what you said? I was going to say that, that this, this free agent class doesn't have the, you know, the, the juice that maybe some other free agent offensive tackle classes have. No, it's, it's very, very true. And even the guys that we think are going to make it, I'd say a good portion of them are going to get retained mm -hmm. because it's just not a position that you want to let go. I mean, the good news is that the draft is kind of well stocked with left tackle up top. You know, it really is. I mean, the, you know, the, the first round, even guys like Graham Barton are now being projected to go in the first round where he was kind of looked at as maybe a second round pick, but we're talking about him in the first round now. So, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, you got Alt, Fashanu, Fuaga, uh, Mims, uh, you, you know, Graham Latham. Barton. I mean, some right of those guys are, and there's Fuaga, another guy. Latham and Mims are all pure right tackles. Um, and there, there, there are a lot of right tackles. It's kind of like the top two left tackles, then a chunk of right tackles. And then I think the next yeah. one down is uh, Morgan from Arizona and Patrick Paul. Is that right? From Houston? I think it's Houston or Utah, maybe. Um, well, then it's definitely. Um, is another yeah, one? Morgan's the one yeah. from Arizona, I think. Yeah, there's a there's yes, he is right. So I mean, there's a nice crop, man. Um, so you know, maybe some teams are willing to let some of the tackles go where in years past, uh, maybe they're not because the free agent class is a little bit thin, but the draft is a little you know a little bit more robust. So. Um, I just, I mean, I think that the the free agent wide receiver class is where we need to do some uh, some work right away because you know we're not we don't have a second round pick right now, so whatever we do, it's got to be impactful. But we have two real holes, like big holes on the offense, so we have to you know we have to address both. I'd like to see some some tackle work done in free agency, no matter what. But like you were kind of talking about and alluding to. I wouldn't. I don't think anything that we do in free agency is going to remove the potential if a Fashanu lands at ten from us taking him. I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to go out there and get um, what's his name, uh, Williams, Jonah Williams. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, and, and like you said, if we get Trent Brown or somebody like that, then they have they can play right or left tackle. Um, that's kind of the way. Then, depending on who's, you know, who you pick in the draft, you can have them play the other side. Um, so, anyway, I would love it if Fashanu uh, made it to us, and I think it'd be a slam dunk pick. Before uh, we bring up the next mock draft, uh, I just want to go over to Blitzcrew. Blitzcrew wants to say, uh, "What round are we drafting a defensive end?" Blitzcrew, I'm going to kick you so hard, you're going to fly into next week. I'm not drafting a defensive end. Now, let's be honest. When we were talking pre the first round last year, the one position we said we would be upset with was edge rusher. And we yeah. did it anyway. So who knows? Maybe maybe that's just where we're us. bound to go. They don't, they don't care what we feel. Hopefully it's not a, uh, a DN though. Um, all right. So the next mock draft that we got to look at this past week was Daniel Jeremiah, friend of Joe Douglas. Always interesting to see who he brings up. 
Now, in the past, his 1.0 mock drafts have had us taking Zach Wilson and Travis Etienne, and then the following year was Kayvon Thibodeau and Trent McDuffie, and then the uh, last year he had us taking, who was it? He had us taking uh, Broderick Jones before we had made the trade down. So that's kind of where he's, you know, projected us so far with first round mock drafts. So I think you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but he has us taking Talise Fuwaga, the right tackle out of Oregon State. This kid is going to be at the Senior Bowl. That's going to be the biggest takeaway for us because Jeff Ulbrich's the head coach of the national team and he is on the national team. So Jeff Ulbrich is going to be able to run this dude through the ringer in terms of jet offense, uh, defensive schemes and be able to see what this guy can handle. And I think that's really exciting to me. He's six foot six, 334 pounds. He's a team captain, another important trait. So keep that in mind. He has 1,500 snaps at right tackle and he is classified as a violent son of a batch of cookies. He is playing the 83rd strength of schedule from this past year. So the weakest of the offensive tackles that we've looked at. So something to keep an eye on in terms of the, the senior bowl. And he has 12 career penalties across, I think it was four years. Uh, big boards have him at 11, 14, 15, 22, and 27 across the board. Uh, and they expect this guy to really rise up. I've seen Connor Rogers speak very highly of Fuaga. A lot of fans are starting to talk about him a lot, just assuming that Fashanu and Alt are gone. Now, the one thing I will say, as much as we are hyped up that Jeff Ulbrich is coaching the Senior Bowl with Talisi Fuaga there, the team right in front of us, the Chicago Bears at number nine, who may also go offensive line, literally yeah. have their offensive line coach coaching Talisi Fuaga. <laughs> so there's yeah. a slight conflict there right. where if like he balls out, the offensive line coach is like, that's the guy. We got to get him. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't even become available for the New York Jets because he rises up so high. But either way, you know, you're still going to have some some options there for tackle. Matt, what are your thoughts on Talisi Fuaga? I love him. Uh, and I did a video a couple hours ago uh, really on this topic because I wanted to talk about how Daniel Jeremiah had the Jets taking Fuaga over Fashanu. Fashanu fell in that mock draft too, and Fuaga was the second tackle off the board. I, I like him a lot. I don't know if I like him that much. Uh, if Fashanu and Alt are, are gone, I would be more than comfortable taking him at pick 10. I love the intensity that he plays with. Um, some people are worried that he might have to move inside to guard. I don't agree. I, I think he is just going to be a very, very, very good right tackle. And maybe that means you have to sign a, a left tackle or ABT's playing tackle or, or, or something. But moral of the story with Fuaga, I think he just has a nasty edge to him. And they always talk about you know, finding the best five to put out there on your offensive line. And this would be a really great piece to add to that unit. Uh, we got Jake in the chat. He says, will the Jets prioritize making wise decisions? Greenbean, would drafting Talese Fuaga be a wise decision? Well, I'm glad that Jake uh, decided to ask me this question because uh, it's very, very important that I educate fellas like uh, Jake, um, who is very humble in, in asking these questions. Uh, I think if the way that it laid out in Daniel Jeremiah's draft, right, that if we passed on uh, Fashanu to to take Fuaga, I would be upset. And it's not that I don't like Fuaga. Like, Fuaga to me is like the guy that I'm okay with grabbing when the 
the two top guys are gone. Like I'm, I'm not unhappy with Fuaga. Um, but you know, when we look, when we talked about Fushanu and his strength with pass blocking, uh, Fuaga, from what I've gathered so far, he's really, his, his strength is the run game. Um, and like Matt said, he's known to have this nasty streak that they keep talking about. Um, well, I think it would be a mistake to pass on Fashanu and go with Fuaga. That's where we are right now. A lot can change as we really get deeper into these guys. Um, but that's kind of where it is now. I don't I don't think like look, remember the 2020 draft when we went with the Becton pick over the Werfs pick. And what was the thinking there? It was like swinging for the fences, so to speak, right? So that's kind of what we did. Um, and hopefully Joe Douglas learned a little bit from that. Like, you know, I think, you know, we need somebody. Our, our, it, it, it's not that our running blocking was, was, was stellar this year, but it all goes back to how well we can protect the quarterback and have a passing game to loosen up the defense so the running game, you know, the running game can do anything. And uh, I think that that is the priority. We have a, you know, a $37 million, 40-year-old quarterback coming off Achilles uh, uh, surgery who hasn't played in two years. It's very important that this works and uh, we need to prioritize Aaron Rodgers standing up and being able to sit back in that pocket and uh, and carve up the defense. When that happens, the run game is going to be fine uh, with uh, Brees and and uh, and whoever else we have back there. But um, yeah, so I think uh, it would be a mismanagement in this particular instance if we took Fuaga. If now if they're gone and we land Fuaga, I'm totally fine with it. Do you see it? I don't mean to be uh, contradictory, but I wouldn't take Fuaga if Fashanu is still on the board. Yeah, and you, you bring up a good point about the 2020 draft with Becton. The, the reason we took Becton, obviously the high upside, but he was also the left tackle, and it's always deemed like, oh, the left tackle for your right-handed quarterback. That's so important. you got to protect his blind side. We wound up passing on the better prospect that was Werfs at that particular point in time, and all of us were calling for Werfs. So, like, you know, at the time, we did have a need at both tackles. We had brought in George Fant, I believe that was the year we took brought in George Fan. Um and you know maybe he would have maybe we wouldn't have felt comfortable at that point in time playing him at left tackle. We find out down the road that he actually did all right uh playing left tackle over here. But um yeah, you know, I just take the best best offensive lineman that'll keep Rodgers upright. And I would agree with you guys. I think Fashanu would be the pick over Fuwaga at that point in time. Uh but if Fuwaga or if Fashanu's gone, I'm totally cool with taking Fuwaga at that point, you know, yeah. Or, I mean, maybe we even discussed the, the thought of trading down. We've, we've talked about how many tackles there are in this draft class. If you could pick up a second-round pick and you can then get your wide receiver or something along those lines, that would be really, really interesting. And that kind of leads us into our next conversation, and that's going to be the free agent prospects that, uh, if you guys didn't see, Richie over at Jets Media posted which uh, free agents that are currently not being talked about should be talked about by uh, fans that we would we should attract, and Sauce Gardner chimed in and said he would like us to go after Calvin Ridley and T. Higgins. So let's hop over to there and discuss T. Higgins, and then we'll go into Calvin Ridley and all that good stuff. So T. Higgins, we've talked about him before. Six foot four, two hundred nineteen pounds. He's twenty five years old. Had six hundred and fifty six yards this past year. 
five touchdowns. He did miss five games with a hamstring and a rib fracture. Uh, the Bengals need to pay a lot of players on that team this year. They got to take care of uh, Chase this year, most likely, because he can renegotiate his contract. I don't think he'll play on a rookie deal, given how much he's he's outperformed it. Higgins, obviously. Jonah Williams, the right tackle, or do they feel comfortable enough letting him go? You know, maybe they feel good drafting one of the tackles that are going to fall to them. Uh, Tyler Boyd going to be available potentially. And it gets you back to the point of, does T. Higgins actually make it to free agency? Joe Burrow renegotiated his contract or, re, you know, got a new contract this past offseason and was asked what he wants, like, the plan to be going forward. And T. Higgins was part of that plan. So I, I'm leery if... Uh, I don't know. I don't think T. Higgins is actually going to shake free. That's my concern here. Uh, Matt, I want to talk to you first. What do you think about T. Higgins and his potential to be the Jets free agent signing? Yeah, I great point from you um, by saying you're you're unsure if he's going to hit the market. Because if he does, to me, this is a no-brainer, right? He's 25 years old, big body, jump ball threat. Uh, he's had three... 900 plus yard seasons in his four years in the NFL would compliment Garrett Wilson. Well, has already proven that he could be a good number two. You don't have to worry about if he's going to complain about not getting the ball or things like that would really be a no brainer, but I don't know if he hits the market. Maybe they franchise tag him in, in Cincinnati and say, we're going to go one more, one more all the way in run with, you know, this current group, and then we got to change some things up because of the cap, and we got to pay, you know, Jamar Chase and all these guys. But I don't know if they could reach a long term extension with Higgins and make that work, but maybe a one year franchise tag they're able to do. But man, if Higgins hits the market, how do you not want to be all over him? Greenbean, what about you? What are your thoughts on T. Higgins? I love T. Higgins, and I think um, it would be. I mean, it would be a very smart move because, um, look, I liked T. Higgins. Remember in the 2020 draft, a lot of us liked T. Higgins in the first round. He he ended up being the second, you know, the first pick in the second round, which, by the way, uh, was a very, very strong uh, early second round. Not where we went and we trade back and, and the whole thing with the Jets ruining Mims with the salmon and all that. We won't have to get into that uh, today. <laughs> But there's you know, there's all that kind of stuff. But T. I heard Higgins he had food was, poisoning and it came out his. Um, uh, hey man, well, you know why did you do that to that guy? Um, so you know, <laughs> but uh, T. Higgins was a guy that we were uh, most of us were talking about as a first round wide receiver. I think that he's been an amazing compliment uh, to um, to Chase over there. Now, but another one, and I don't know if you're going to go there, but just to touch on it, if if I had my druthers, you know what I'd do? I would just go over to the Cincinnati team, and I'd go, I want T. Higgins, I want Tyler Boyd, I want Jonah Williams. Get them all over here, just fucking steal them all. That's what I would do, man, because I love it. They all know we each other. Little- we- <laughs> right. Joe Burrow, you know, but, uh, you know, I would I would love one or the other, um, realistically, of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I, I think that they're both really good compliments. I think T. Higgins is a better receiver. I think T. Higgins uh, on so many Jets teams would be the clear number one wide receiver. Uh, he won't be that with Garrett Wilson here, but I think it would be a slam dunk. Um, and and I would love to see the Jets 
go after him. Like you pointed out, I think where yeah, it's right down here. All the guys that they need to pay, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um, you know, for them to pull that all off unless guys are willing to take, you know, that that proverbial home team discount, so to speak, um, which I don't know is going to happen. I don't think it happens too much anymore. You know, there's not so much team loyalty as there was maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Now it's like, hey, dude, this is my one chance at a, at a payday. You're offering me, you know, 12. They're offering me 16 or 15. I, I got to take it, you know, um, which makes sense. Um, so anyway, I think that one of those guys is shaken loose. Um, I would be real surprised if they were able to to retain both T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I would be really happy with either, but T. Higgins would be my choice if uh, if you know if I had to make that choice between one or the other. So yeah, I hope the Jets go for him and go for him hard and early uh, if he's available. So one thing I do want to bring up: T. Higgins. Uh, Definitely going to be a challenge to, to try and get him out. Uh, I, forgot, I forgot I was going to throw in from him. But, uh, oh, T. Higgins. Aaron Rodgers wanted to play with T. Higgins. That was who they thought they were trading up for when they took Jordan Love. So that would kind of be righting the wrong that was done to Aaron Rodgers by bringing in a T. Higgins. I feel like that's kind of cool. The other side of things with Tyler Boyd, I really like him as well, Green Bean. The issue there is that he's from Pittsburgh, and he has a very close relationship with Mike Tomlin. So there is a really good shot if he does shake free. I think he goes home to Pittsburgh, and he winds up over there. So, like, as you start playing this game of, like, this guy gets franchise tag, that guy gets franchise tag, who's leaving? It starts to make it seem a lot more pressing to get a weapon in the draft when we start going through all this stuff. Um, but let's hop over. Matt, anything else to add with T. Higgins and anything we've we've talked about here? No, I think we I think we nailed it. I think that one makes a lot of sense. I'm just not sure if he actually hits the market. All right, so let's go over to the second player that Sauce was talking about, and that is Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver out of Jacksonville. This one's got some layers to it that I'm really interested in. He's 29 years old, six foot one, 190 pounds. He had 1,000 yards this past year, eight touchdowns, and 76 receptions. He is an elite route runner. That's what makes this guy different than T. Higgins. T. Higgins is more of a jump ball kind of guy at six foot four, six one just crisp route runner. This would almost be a little bit of a duplicate of, of Garrett Wilson, which I'm okay with. I have no problem having two of them, but you know, is that the direction they end up going? They had, he was suspended in 2022 because of the gambling thing that went on. He committed three penalties this past year, not a whole lot. So he's at least from a, you know, a mental standpoint, he's not causing us to go backwards. Like some of our other, you know, cats on our team. And then from a trade perspective, the Jaguars gave up a fourth round pick last year and a fourth round pick this year to get him in Jacksonville. Now that fourth round pick turned into a third round pick the final game of the season once Calvin Ridley eclipsed 75 receptions and 1,000 yards. So now they have given up a fourth and a third. Now what changes is if they sign him to a long-term deal, that third round pick becomes a second round pick. And now you have to determine do the Jaguars want to hold on to Calvin Ridley for the difference of a third and second round pick? Does that make enough sense to hold on to him with the young quarterback and Trevor Lawrence? Now, the loophole in all of this, uh, let's not talk about the loophole first. Let's talk about the, the other player. So the franchise tag, they could always use the franchise tag on him. But the other player that's going to be hitting free agency for them, Josh Allen, is an elite edge rusher. And they only mm. have one franchise tag. So you got to work out a long-term deal with one of these guys and I would imagine they're going to try and do it with Josh Allen because he is at the top of his game right now. You just give him the next highest edge rusher contract 
and call it a day. And then I would franchise tag Calvin Ridley if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars, because that's the loophole. It's not a long-term deal. It's what happens with Leonard Williams and the Giants and why the Jets didn't get the elevated pick because they franchise tagged Leonard Williams and then signed him to a deal <laughs> after that. So I think the the Falcons or you know, well, I guess the Falcons would be screwed because of what the Jaguars are going to do. I think they're going to franchise tag Calvin Ridley. And then I don't know if he's actually going to hit the market. I really do like Ridley a lot, though. Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What are your thoughts on Calvin Ridley? Yeah, you know, I like him as a fallback option. There's like probably three names in front of him, right? Like T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams. I think all those guys are ahead of him. I'd probably put Michael Pittman ahead of him also. But if for whatever reason, like Devontae Adams isn't available, T. Higgins gets franchised. Mike Evans goes back to, uh, you know, Tampa. And then the next thing you know, Michael Pittman's re-signing in Indianapolis. And it's like, well, it's kind of getting thin around here. And I think Calvin would be a really good pivot point. You know, over a thousand yards this year, eight touchdowns. Uh, I, I thought it was a really solid bounce back season for him after missing, you know, time in 2022 with the suspension and stepped away in 2021. So uh, I, I would be for this. I know it's a little bit redundant, but I think you can get creative with both Calvin Ridley and Garrett Wilson and move them around the formation, you know, have one of them in the slot and one outside and then, you know, vice versa. And Alan Lazard hopefully bounces back with Aaron Rodgers a little bit uh, and can be functional on the outside. Yeah, so Greenbeat, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. Matt alluded to it, but the idea that T. Higgins is franchised and Mike Evans goes back to Tampa Bay because he wants to retire a buck. I talked to a Colts YouTuber yesterday. He very much believes Pittman's going back to Indianapolis, and Pittman said yeah. he's happy to play on the tag, so he's probably not going to be an option. Devonta Adams got his choice of head coach in Antonio Pierce. It seems like he may not be an option. So as we start whittling away these wide receivers, if Ridley winds up getting franchise tag, now you're in a weird spot because now the next best players are going to end up being like a Hollywood Brown, uh, maybe a an Odell Beckham Jr., a DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe Ugh. there's some guys that shake loose. I, I still have my hopes out there for Cortland Sutton being available in some capacity. I would give up a pick to go get him. Um, but Green Bean... As far as Calvin Ridley goes, what do you think about him? Do you think he shakes free? What are your thoughts overall about him? Um, I, I think I might like Ridley for the Jets a little bit more than Matt. I, I look at him as a dynamic kind of game changer guy with like that intangible uh, impact on the game. It, it's not It's not just so much. You know, that straight up, you know, hey, what's he doing as a wide receiver? I think he's a, a terrifying uh, weapon, um, you know, to add to to an offense. Now, that said, I mean, he's he hasn't really done, you know, con uh, contractually, hasn't really made all that much. He's I mean, I'm just looking up market value and stuff like that for him. Now, and then this is, I mean, last year they said Connor McGovern was 12 million. So, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, uh, but he's projected to be in the neighborhood of $17 million uh, a year. Now, are we paying $17 million for a 29 year old uh, Calvin Ridley? I don't know. You know, I don't know if we would do that. The truth is, I would love to bring Calvin Ridley on, on this team. Now, would the work be done? No. I would like to see some other, you know, some other, uh, you know, just other guys brought in. Let me just say it that way. 
But um, I wouldn't like to see Calvin Ridley as the big move this year. But I, I think that he would be fantastic. I mean, we don't really have guys like Calvin Ridley on our offense very often. Guys that are kind of um, utilitarian in, the, in in this way and, and multifaceted and just, you know, uh, uh, downright electric at times. Um, and, I, and I think a really, really secure safety valve uh, for the quarterback as well. He's a pretty reliable guy. He did have some drops uh, last year, but I don't know. I, I really like him. I'd love to see him brought on. Um, you know, and, and I think that no matter what, like if it's, if, you know, because like we're talking about, like, I think the Pittman's maybe even T Higgins, like some of these names, Michael Evans, I think some of these names, they're going to disappear. So who are we really left with? Do we hang out and play our usual game of bargain, you know, hunting and say, hey, you know, this is our value. We're only thinking you're worth uh, 3.5, man. Yeah, but they're offering me four. Nope, we're stuck at 3.5. Like this is the year, I think, while not being, you know, completely reckless, like we got to go out there and make sure that we're the team that gets these guys. So I would like to see – um, you know, whoever it is that's, you know, still standing at w- when free agency starts, I would like the Jets kind of similar to a couple years ago when I was still in Arizona. I remember we did a little morning show and then I was listening to O'Leary through the um, through the, you know, the first portion of free agency. And it was like we re-signed Berrios. Oh, we got Lincoln Tomlinson. Like it was all in the first hour. That's what I want with wide receiver and whatever tackle, uh, you know, move we're going to make. I think if we, if I learned that Calvin Ridley was signed in that first couple of hours, I would be delighted. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, is he the my first choice? No, I think I would prefer a T. Higgins. Uh, over Calvin Ridley, but I would not be disappointed in the slightest if that's the guy that we brought on. Yeah, and going back to like showing up on his doorstep at midnight or 4 p.m. or whatever like the deadline is, I remember Rex Ryan going to Bart Scott's house and being like, this is the start of free agency. I need you here. I want Joe Douglas at the offensive lineman's house. I want Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers at the wide receiver's house. On the opening night, this is, we want you. You are going to be a New York Jet. What's it going to take to get you? That's the type of approach that I kind of hope we take here. Uh, Red John comes in and says, two weeks ago, Latham was in the top three. What happened? So Latham uh, is definitely looked at as probably still tackle three um, by a lot of, of different places. I think where we will start to see Fuwaga come up is when you start having the Senior Bowl. You start looking at uh, the combine, interview processes, pro days, and then you might see that flip-flop a little bit. But this is such a deep tackle class. If they decided to say, hey, the left ta- or the right tackle from Alabama, that's our guy, I would not be upset with that move you know, whatsoever here. Greenbean, your thoughts on Latham? Yeah, I think um, you know what we're really looking at is just there's nothing going on. So we kind of, you know, we just move pieces around. Like, we're not even at the combine yet. There's no even justification for any of this shit right now. Like, why is Fuaga going over Fashanu when two weeks ago there was no no one was saying, why? Eh, because it's more interesting to say that. We're going to say the same shit every week. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. So I think that's more uh, what we're looking at. You know, uh, they got to make stories. And it's interesting to explore this stuff. It gets people talking and all that. I don't think Latham is necessarily 
sliding down in the same way that it looks with the mock drafts. That said, I don't think everybody's going to love Latham. I mean, he's kind of raw, you know, super strong and all that. I don't know if you guys have taken a moment and looked at his buttocks. And Dude, like, thighs. A, like he's got tree trunks for fucking thighs. Dude, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, I stopped the film. I What the fuck are we looking at here? You know, so, um, you he's know. thick three C's. Right. Uh, Like you said, tree trunks for sure. But I think that some teams are going to be concerned about him, especially if there are some of the other guys on the board. I could see him sliding. Let's see how he performs in the combine. Um, If he blows the doors off with athleticism or something like that, real good uh, agility and, 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 and speed, you know, maybe he stays up there. But I could see other tackles. Uh, jumping in front of him uh, because of his limitations. So, um, but I think at this point, it's it's all just people moving moving the chairs around because it's more interesting. Uh, Blitzcrew comes in, says, "Imagine if Quincy Williams walked after the Jets deemed value for his contract. If we have to overpay a bit for offensive line and for wide receiver, so be it." I fall in the same spot as you, Blitzcrew. And Matt, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Would you overpay for offensive lineman and wide receiver this offseason? Uh, I think specifically at those two positions, yeah, because of how much they are in need and how thin they are at those positions, right? And, like, you can't really have success on offense without them. So um, I, I would. I w- this is not the time to cut corners and to play stingy on the offense when you're supposed to be doing a year with going all in. So um, yeah, 100%. You got to do whatever it takes to get somebody in here. I don't want to – who was it? Uh, in 2020, remember they they signed Brashad Perryman because they wanted to get a, a little cute uh, with the money. And what the hell was that linebacker's name? Gerard Davis. Oh yeah, Is that it. Yep, the one yeah. year. Gerard Davis and uh, Davis. He was he was like that was the uh, first some, that was the first, first free agent we signed. Fifteen yeah. minutes into free agency, Gerard Davis got the the first contract from the Jets. It's like what the hell? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want that to be the case they need to be a little aggressive it's time 100 percent uh while we were talking about offensive tackles and whatnot and, and free agent wide receivers and guys that we think may or may not hit the market uh i guess it we should look a little bit closer at the senior bowl we did get to see the offensive linemen that we were able to uh get on the national team this is where things are, are looking right now the offensive tackles i have it color coded for where they're projected to potentially go based on NFL draft buzzes uh, predictions. So Fuaga, Jordan Morgan, Troy Fatanu, who projects a little bit as a, as a guard at the next level, um, all projected first round picks. Kingsley Suamatea, uh, second round pick out of BYU. And then you have uh, obviously the, the fourth round and uh, fifth through seventh round guys after that. And then in terms of interior offensive linemen, you got Jackson Powers Johnson, the second round graded center out of Oregon, and Cooper Bebe. I know Dom C in the chat, if he's listening to this, is very high on him at potentially a guard spot or something along those lines. Uh, Matt, is there anyone on this board that speaks to you in some meaningful capacity in terms of someone we should look out for at the Senior Bowl? I mean, Fuaga is in in red lights blinking at me saying, please watch every single snap that I take uh, in this one. But I like Troy Fontenot. That would be like if the Jets were to trade back 
that would be really interesting if the Jets were able to find their tackle somewhere else, right? Like if signed one in free agency and then we're comfortable playing AVT at right tackle. Because uh, I think Fontenu kind of reminds me of AVT when he was coming out as someone who might have to move over uh, from tackle to guard. But I, I like him better than some of the other uh, tackle prospects that are projected to go in the first, like Mims and even JC Latham for me. Uh Greenby, what about you? Is there anyone on this senior bowl list that you're looking at saying like, ah, you know what? That would be a good guy to, uh, to have. Yeah. Well, I think like Matt said, I think our eyes are going to be glued to some of the earlier guys, the Fuagas, the Jordan Morgans of the world. Um, but they're like, we were talking about earlier. We, we just touched on it. The idea of kind of you know bringing in some interior guys as well now you know we, we, if, if we bring back uh connor mcgovern and we have abt in there and then maybe titman uh is is a, is a guard or or what have you but titman's technically he's going to be a vet next year maybe adam maybe uh rogers is totally cool now that he's in his second year and he looked really really good um, and so he can stay at center but but that all said i one of the, my favorite things to do uh, going into the draft is is to look at those, you know, those third to fifth round offensive linemen. And a lot of the time, those guys end up being sixth and seventh round. Like, I'm blown away that some of these guys make it to the seventh, uh, you know, or sixth even. Like a few years back, Trey Smith, I know he had the blood clot issue, but well, I mean, 90% of us were like, dude, like he's past the point where it's a risk. Just take, he's a first round talent. And the Chiefs got him, and we've seen it, and 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 we missed out. So, but like looking at guys like, um, and I'm gonna mispronounce it, but um, Iguacum, right? Kingsley, the first name Kingsley, which I find interesting. Uh, Trevor Keegan, those kinds of guys. Those are the guys that I'm really interested in because just like Max Mitchell, it doesn't see he's struggling. It doesn't seem like he's working out. But I really love when we can pull guys from the fourth and fifth round, uh, offensive linemen, I mean, and they end up working out because it's really the way that the league is built. Sure, every team has their first-round offensive tackle or what have you, but the predominant uh, you know, uh, way to build the offensive line is you have to hit on those mid-to-late-round picks on your offensive linemen. And the truth is, is you can do it, and the Jets have done it historically. Uh, all the way back through the years, we always had a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder uh, on our team that was playing just fine. And and I would like to see us be able to pull that in this year, especially if we if we manage to get three uh, comp picks. I would love to see, you know, maybe Joe Douglas package some of those sevenths and, you know, and move up a smidge, whether it's from the fifth to the fourth, the fourth to the third, something like that. I'd, I'd love to see something like that go on and be able to grab one of these guys, um, you know, for the interior as well. I think this has to be the year of offensive line. Like, we can't play games, man. Like, you can't be like, ah, we, you know, we really like this linebacker. He was the, but fuck you, man. Stop with the linebackers. Like, we need offensive linemen and wide receivers. That's what we need. And we, we got to sprinkle a safety in there. That's fine. But it's, we need to focus, goddammit. We have one major, we have one of the best defenses in the league, and it, and the offense is so bad that it neutralizes it. Like, 
We need to focus. So I would like to see tackle up top, and I would like to see some interior uh, guys brought in. You know, because look, when somebody gets injured, what are we doing? We're like, oh, we got to go to a practice squad, or we got Billy Turner uh, coming in, Xavier Newman. Like, I'm done. I want guys uh, ready to go um, that that are of some quality. So I'd, I'd like to see some of that, some, some of those guys, um, you know, play in the Senior Bowl as well in front of Ulbricht. Yeah, I think the value in the Senior Bowl is the later round guys. Like, obviously, Fuaga at the top of the draft where, you know, if you miss the top two tackles, he's the one you want to keep an eye on. But outside of that, those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys that could become available and you have inside knowledge of it because you were at the Senior Bowl – is is so important now it's a little maybe less uh beneficial this year because now every team that did not make the playoffs has a coach at the senior bowl so you're not exclusively having the new york jets team seeing every player on that roster so it's it's kind of leveled the playing field to some extent but uh yeah i i, I love the the later round stuff here uh blitzkrieg yep. comes in and says not super excited about byu linemen so kingsley uh I'm gonna. I have no idea how to pronounce that last name. Yeah, uh, yeah I would say they. They listen, right? you, you feel confident? I would say Suamatia. Suamatia. Uh, they have him listed as left tackle. Uh, in in his draft profile, it had him listed as uh, multi-purpose. I, I think offensive lineman or something like that, or, or left-right tackle. So I put O tackle there for him. So he's got a little bit of flexibility from what it seems like. And then you could see Ladarius Henderson. They project him as a left guard, even though they have him listed at left tackle right now. Maybe he's trying to elevate his draft stock in that capacity. Matt, you got any concern for BYU linemen? Uh, only like the 26-year-olds, the ones who go out on their mission and then come back and then are like 100 years old entering the draft. And I, I don't believe that's what Kingsley is. Uh, you may have just said that. I was just reading reading the chat. Apparently, we like the feed like froze for a second and they were freaking out. So I was going back in time trying to see if I could find where it froze. It was uh, just perfect. one second, though. It turned black for like less than yeah. two seconds. Interesting. I think. Yeah. Okay. That's what it uh, Ace of Spade comes in. I guess we could go back to our normal little three-way conversation here. Uh, would you pass on neighbors if available at number 10? I Look, he's been projected to go top six this entire draft process. If he falls to number 10, I think you got to consider it at the very least with the needs that we have here. Um, did we solve offensive line? That's going to be a big problem. Is someone willing to trade a haul to come up and get him? That's another question that I have. If you can convince me that someone wants to give us a bunch of picks – to slide down, I would I would consider doing that. Um, I'm hoping neighbors goes in front of us to push a more meaningful. I, I shouldn't say yeah. more meaningful because wide receiver is important, but I'm hoping Not, one of the tackles falls for us uh, towards us. So Matt, w would you pass on neighbors if he made it to ten? I think he's too good to pass up on. Um, but that means cause, so think about it. If, if someone like neighbors is making it there, that Fashanu, Alt, Fuaga are probably gone. Bowers is probably gone. Like everyone else that we've talked about is probably not there or it's all going to be defensive players. So I think you'd have to really strongly consider it, but I don't see how he makes it past the Giants at six. Greenbean, what about you? Malik Neighbors, would you take him if he fell to 10? You know what's funny about this conversation? And I find myself on the same side as previously, but this is... I'm having deja vu all the time about, the, you know, 
with the 2020 draft. Remember? The tackles versus wide receiver. And we're not even hot yet. This is going to get contentious in Jet Nation, man. It is. Now, Ryan loved CeeDee Lamb. Remember? It was a whole thing. Right? Now, Neighbors is going to be that guy. So, like, Marvin Harrison is kind of the Jerry Judy, you know, the clear-cut number one, and the Raiders don't care, and they take rugs anyway. You know what I mean? Like, some of that shit's going to happen. But it's like I can already feel it. Like, of course – you know, you consider a guy like neighbors, but I think we have to be focused, man. Now, if the guys you have in the same rating, like as a, you know, you have Marvin Harrison, you got Joe Walt, you got neighbors, you have uh Fashanu, uh, Bowers and then, you know, whatever. And then the quarterbacks, maybe you have them in on the first tier. If they're all gone and neighbors is the guy sitting there, I think that you might have to take them. Um, but I don't know, man. I really want to come away with a tackle. It's the same shit I was saying in 2020. So it's tough for me because, yeah, wide receivers are great, but if the quarterback is getting his Achilles smashed on the fourth play of the game, uh, then what did the wide receivers do in that in, in, in that instance? They do a whole bunch of nothing. So, um, yeah, I just want to see the offensive line fixed, and then we can talk about everything else. Yeah, I, I, I think first and foremost, I feel like offensive line and free agency is going to be such a critical thing to try and at least take care of yeah. to some degree. Like, well, you got to get one tackle, some type of tackle that gives you positional flexibility, I feel like, because AVT, I feel like, is their emergency plan if they feel compelled to go weapon at number 10. I could even see it where they were talking to Rodgers like, hey, you know what, Green Bay never spent a first-round pick on you. We'll use our top pick in 2024 to get you a weapon. And now they're in this weird spot of like, uh-oh, now we need the tackle, and we can't get him the weapon because we gave up the second-round pick. So I, I guess, Matt, do you think there's any influence there from like what happens in free agency for what you do in the draft, or are we just you know sticking to our best player available? Oh, for sure. I think I've said this for a while now and it feels like a broken record, but I think it's so important. That's why we keep bringing it up every week is that we will have a much better idea what the Jets are going to do on the draft after, uh, you know, after free agency, the first couple of days of free agency, because if they go out there and they sign two offensive linemen, maybe you feel a little bit different, right? They sign a guard and a tackle. Maybe you're going, hey, all right, maybe that Brock Bowers at 10 ain't so bad. Or maybe you want to go with Roma Dunes if he's there or, you know, whatever. Um, mm. I, I think they're actually, you know, there, there's a world where that could be the play right now. I know how we all feel. Most of us anyway, feel like offensive line's got to be the pick. That's how I feel. But, you know, that who knows? Two months from now, it could be a completely different story. Hennessy's telling us, don't overthink it. Just draft offensive line in every round. Yeah, right. Like, go, go hard in free agency for wide receiver and weapon and then just go ham. <laughs> In the draft, offensive linemen every six. We're going to have six, seven brand new offensive linemen in here to compete with the current ones we already got. Um, did the stream just end? I see. No. Uh, no, no, I'm watching. Re- refresh it, folks, in the, in the chat. If you're struggling, hit the hit the refresh button, and it's, it sets it up real nice. It's yeah. funny. I uh, On my side, in the studio portion, it's not, like, actually going right now. Ah, they say we're back. All right. I see. Yeah, it looks good to me on both fronts. So that's good. As long as we, as long as you guys can hear us, that's all we care. Yeah, about. I'm watching both. So I mean, I I got YouTube open, and then I have us to the right over here. So I I kind of um, feel I feel confident that we're okay. 
very funky night here in uh, in the YouTube land. Blitzcrew comes in, says, need to draft the best available non-defensive end in each round. <laughs> Blitzcrew, we're with you. <laughs> You're not wrong. And what a funny thing, too, because up until two years ago, it, it was a it was justifiable to scream from the rooftops, draft a damn edge rusher already. Like we didn't do it forever. And now it's like, dude, enough with the fucking edge rushers, right? Like we just it's a it's an area of strength. But what an interesting shift. And it didn't take that long uh to do it, even going into the 2022 draft. I mean, why was I so upset? when they drafted Sauce and Garrett Wilson because I couldn't believe that in a draft that was notably strong in the edge position that we were once again finding a reason not to draft one. Now, once we got Jermaine Johnson, uh, you know, at uh, at pick 26, it all made sense and everybody was kumbaya. I'm like, holy shit, this is wonderful. Like, I couldn't believe it, but I wanted an edge so bad because we had ignored the position for so many years, but now here we are, it would infuriate us. I mean, dude, can you imagine two years in a row if they say, you know, Three. linebacker? Oh. <laughs> that, when, my jaw dropped. I had no idea who Will McDonald was at that point in time because I was not thinking like that position in the slightest. And you like, no, not at all. And when they, have, when they put him up as a linebacker, I was like, what did we just do? <laughs> And edge rusher was like, all right, well, I mean, I guess that's better positional value, but still, what the hell? I didn't want an edge rusher. You know, you take no. one in Jermaine Johnson, you take one in Will McDonald, you're going to, you know, Huff is leaving. Do you think we get any pick for Bryce Huff at all? Like, do we realistically see, uh, you know, a franchise tag and trade, or is he just yeah. hitting the open market and leaving? Because I, I don't think he's given any hometown discount to the Jets. He's already said that much. I think he feels like we did him dirty the last, like, two years, year and a half. Greenbean, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think happens with Bryce Huff? Well, number one, I don't think he should take a hometown discount. Um, you know, I mean, I just, I don't. You know, he's, I mean, he got the five million last year, but other than that, he was playing on an undrafted free agent level, you know, contract. He's making chump change in comparison to uh, other players on the team, and he's outplaying them. Um, now I think feeling like he did the Jets did him dirty. I think you know, go eat some shit because the Jets developed you. You know, it was the Robert Sala kind of you know development program with Ulbricht. That, and in my opinion, because you see it all over the place, there are all kinds of young guys, the Quincy Williams of the world, uh, even Ashton Davis, uh, looks good, but you know, particularly up front, the linebackers, the defensive line. They all look really, really good, and I think that's uh, you know, look, that's Salah's strength, and um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore that. So I don't know if he feels necessarily like that. There's some contention. It's just no, dude. This is my opportunity for a payday. It's going to be a big one, uh, much bigger than an undrafted free agent from Memphis could have realistically imagined. And I'm taking it, man. I don't care where it is. It can be on the worst team in the world, but that would mean he's staying with the Jets. But it could be anywhere in the entire league, and he's going to take the money. So I support that. Now, as far as us getting a pick, I think absolutely, man. He's a he's an edge rusher. He's an accomplished pass rusher that has value. Now, 
if it's a third, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe I, I wouldn't go lower than a third because obviously then there's the comp pick. You know what I mean? And I think that the contract that he'll end up signing would be around a third. So um, I think he's going to make some money. And I think the Jets would be foolish not to tag and trade him um, and uh, and and try to get that second. And I think they will. I think a second round pick uh, for an accomplished edge rusher is is a no brainer for a lot of teams. And uh, and I think we'll get it. So, Matt, I saw you shaking your head. I I think we're probably in a in a similar boat here. So I'll throw it to you. What are you thinking? I I don't want this to happen, but my fear is that he's just going to go for nothing. And I, I I still it rubs me the wrong way. I think it's a massive massive mistake. I can I know everyone you know they're going to come at me and say, well, you took Will McDonald. It's a strength. I get that, but you know Green Bean said it. Uh, the Jets went so long without having an edge rusher, right? You know, John Abraham, you trade him away, and for a decade plus, they're trying to figure out that position. And then you get a speedy, bendy edge rusher, double-digit sack guy. I, I get it. I know Calvin Pace had one, uh, you know, uh, one of those coverage sack, 10 sack. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, he was good. He was solid, but he wasn't. He, I feel like you can clearly tell a difference between a cat. Yeah, right. Like, like, right. like, there's there's a difference. Right. Yeah. Jordan Jenkins had an eight sack season. Like they are he, valuable player. Can set the edge. Good against the, the run. Not knocking that, but like a real pass rusher. This is what Bryce Huff is, and he's getting to his prime age at 25. I just have this fear that he's going to be like Hassan Reddick or Shaq Barrett, go somewhere else. And you know, put up fourteen plus sacks next year, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, oh wow, who could have seen that coming?" It's like everyone did. This guy's been great. He's been getting better year over year. He finally gets an increase in snaps. He's playing great. Forty-two percent of the snaps, he gives you ten sacks. He's gonna go somewhere, play sixty, and have fifteen next year. Drives me nuts, yeah, I'm, dude. I'm right there with you, and I, I'm, I'm sort of, I have the fear that he's just gonna walk for nothing, and it'll drive me up a goddamn wall because it'll be the biggest indictment on Joe Douglas that we've seen to date. And that is the the lack of trading him at the trade deadline if you had no intentions of at least hitting him with the franchise tag. Like, I feel like you have to hit him with the tag at the very least to extract some kind of value because, you know, if you get a fourth round pick for him, it's better than just letting him walk. And I see Jordan in the chat says Huff is going for a comp pick. The comp pick would be in 2025 if it happens. But remember, we're going to be going after free agents. We've got 50 to 60 million dollars roughly in cap space, I think, is what we're going to wind up having when we start doing all this and the comp pick formula, if you lose a free agent, but you bring a free agent in, you're, you're, you're kind of neutralizing yourself. You got to think the jets are going big game hunting. You want to go wide receiver. You want to go offensive lineman. We're not looking for small fish here. Now, the way okay. you could offset that would be by going after players that are cut or players that had voided contracts, things of that nature that were not free agents. So that way it doesn't impact your comp pick formula. But again, that pick would be after Joe Douglas potentially is here if next year doesn't work out. So Huff going for a comp pick, I don't think that's actually realistic to see happen. Greenbean, I know you're a big comp pick guy. You think there's any shot the Jets could get a comp pick for Huff? Well, let's take a look. You bring up a fantastic point that a lot of people just never even consider when they talk about comp picks. It's that, well, if we're lopsided in how many we sign versus how many we lose, there's no comp picks. And that's, what, that's what's that's what been our problem for the past 
240 freaking years, man. That's why we don't have any comp picks. This year, we're seeing it start, right? Where uh, it uh, looks like three-sevenths, which interestingly enough, I, I was convinced we were getting the sixth, but uh, we'll see how that all all plays out. But let's let's take a look here, Ryan. We have Carl Lawson. Are we re-signing him? He's going to be a free agent that goes Voided contract. Not a free but agent. But he's He's an un, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, even if you I don't think we contract. allowed him to walk. Does a void contract count as an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, yes. yeah because a he's not will. being cut. It's well, void his, his contract didn't end, though. I mean, I guess it technically did kind of. I believe. Go on. Man. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to jump in. Uh, it, it's just the the void year is just the money, money that they're allocating on this year's cap he, he does he's not under contract but he still has money owed whatever the number is i don't know it off the top of my head mm -hmm. but whatever that money is, is it counts towards the cap but he's not under contract he's not on the roster okay i, th I thought the void right. was one of those weird loopholes where it was like you could that you know that you roll that it is but yeah go, go I, on Green. I, yeah i think it's a weird loophole which but it goes the other way that's the way mm -hmm. i think it's like they do become unrestricted free agents um, so look, you got Carl Lawson, he'll get signed. Now I don't think he's going to get, you know, a contract that's comparable to, to Huff or anything like that, but he'll at least be one. What about Dwayne Brown? He's probably going to retire, right? Mm -hmm. What about Jordan Whitehead? We're not re-signing him. I would think he's going to get signed. You think? I think so. I think Mekhi yeah. Becton probably gets signed somewhere. Well, you got Chuck Clark. I mean, whether or not we, we bring him back, I think he stays with us. All right, but even if not, he would get signed. I think he, you know, he wouldn't be a guy that that gets signed. We got Bryce Huff. We're talking about Quentin Jefferson. I hope they bring back. I would like to mm -hmm. see him brought back. But if not, he's getting signed. I mean, he's thirty. He's going to be thirty-one years old. But I still think he's. I mean, he was. He played well uh, for us uh, this year. I think that he would get signed. Randall Cobb's going to retire. Zerline, we want to bring back. I imagine Solly Solomon Thomas. What do you think? I want to bring him back. I love Solomon Thomas. I think he's done a, like a, he's one of those glue players, almost like a he's I mean, he's better than Feeney, but I, I kind of envision Feeney on the offensive line as being a glue guy. Keep the guys together like the the person that is Solomon Thomas, I feel like is important, but you just have to balance that with like the amount of money you want to shell out. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so I would I think that Salah wants him back too. then you got the Hardy. you know, got Justin Hardy. Are we bringing him back? He's he's going to want more money. So whether or not back. We, I would bring back I, all the special teams guys. Get, bring give me Hardy, give me Zerline, give me Morstead. All right, Al Woods, gone, gone. You think he resigns? I mean, he's old. He's no, going to be thirty. He retires. Off an Achilles? Done, no right. way. He's done. Achilles, right? So yeah. he's he's gonna he's not going to impact Connor McGovern. If we don't resign him, he'll get signed. Now it won't be for a huge contract, but he'll get signed. But isn't there He's a threshold when, when comp picks don't come into play? Because we signed Connor McGovern just before the draft. So we had someone kind of locked threshold. in. Now, yeah, I have to look and see what I that is. I think it's is. like in it's, May or June. Yeah. So there's that window. So the and 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 where that comes into play is that there are there are priority free agents. There are the free agents that teams feel like if we don't negotiate now, they're gonna negotiate elsewhere and we're gonna lose them. Right. And then there are the 
players where they go, eh, if we lose them, we lose them. We'd like to get them. They have a conversation. We're going to wait, but, you know, if you get a better deal, you whatever. You know, but they, uh, they're not the priority because everybody knows about this compic. And, like, so when you start looking at a free agent, does he – is his value outweighing the, the potential to get that additional draft pick? So they think about that. Teams think about that. I know a lot of people don't think they do, but they do. They actually remember Joe Douglas uh, talked about that. He said he's worked for people who wouldn't sign people because of the comp pick formula. Um, and he said he wouldn't do that. He'll still sign someone, you know, if he feels like it'll benefit the team. But uh, but it is important. It should be factored in. So then we have Billy Turner. He's going to be 33. Uh, next Gone. year, but but is he getting signed? You think he'll he's, he'll get signed somewhere? I mean, he played like turds, but he'll get signed. Like he's turds. not going to be a priority though. Huh. Then you got Kenny Yaboa, who I think is going to be our our superstar next year. Um, I think we'll bring him back, but that's just my heart speaking. I have no idea. Um, I thought he looked great the last four games or so of the season. The whole Brees Hall resurgence, everybody. Kenny Yabo was right out front, popping those holes open. So who knows? But if not, he would get signed, right? He would get signed for sure. Ashton Davis, we're bringing him back. Morstead, we're bringing him back. Simeon, he's done, right? He's not going anywhere. He was on the couch when we signed him this year. And then you got Javelin Gidry, Jake Hansen, Bradley and I, Bryce Hall's another one. If we don't re-sign him, he's getting signed, no doubt. So that, you know, look, we're looking at like four, maybe five guys that are signed within that window. So that puts us at a place where if we don't sign more than four or five, we're going to get a comp pick. So if Bryce Huff falls in there, then it's safe. But um, yeah, but it's definitely something to consider because you could let them walk thinking, oh, well, we'll get a third. We're only getting offered fourths and we get a, We can get a third with a comp pick and then you get nothing because you had to buy more than you could sell. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. Hennessy comes in and says, if we keep Huff, how much playing time will Will McDonald have? Well, we're going to be losing Carl Lawson. So I would, I would, I would split those snaps and I would divide them amongst Huff and McDonald. Right now, uh, it looks like Lawson played, if this is correct, he only played in six games for us. So 24% yeah. of the snaps is what they're saying, uh, according to Pro Football Reference. Will McDonald, uh, they have him down for 19% of snaps. So, you know, if you could give him another 12, that gets him up to like, you know, close to, what is it, 31% of the snaps. And then you have Carl Lawson's you know, the other 12 going to, to Bryce Huff, who I don't know how much, what percentage of snaps he wound up having. Let me pull that up real quick. Let's make this um, nice and easy. Four edge rushers, JFM, JJ, Huff, McDonald, 50-50-50-50. There you go. Love it. Love it. And Huff had 42% of the snaps last year. So if you can elevate his snaps to 50-60% of the snaps, see what he can get you, and then you give the balance to, to McDonald. I mean, McDonald still has to earn those snaps, though. That's the thing. It's not necessarily set in stone that he's going to take the leap that Jermaine Johnson did. Like, uh, everyone's talking about it like he's going to. But, yeah. you know, it's very possible he has a longer learning curve or is, you know, more of a liability in the run where they want to play a different, you know, player. Um, 
Greenby, what do you think? Uh, how would you divvy up the playing time between McDonald and the rest of the D-line if Huff comes back? Well, let me say this. I mean, I was going to actually say exactly what you just said. I know we're reading all these beautiful articles about McDonald doing the, the Jermaine Johnson plan. He's going to be hanging out. That's great. I think that's the best thing you could do to try to replicate it. But there's no guarantee, everybody. I mean, Jermaine, what Jermaine Johnson is 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 becoming is really exceptional, in, in, in my opinion, especially because he's not a one-trick pony. I mean, he's he's really a strong edge setter in addition to having that pass rusher presence. Uh, he, I mean, Jermaine Johnson can be a truly special player for us, an every-down guy. Um, now, as far as Will McDonald, he so far is kind of where Bryce Huff was two, three years ago. He's that, you know, uh, very, very situational. Now, can he be more than that? He's talking about coming back and being 255 pounds. I mean, that's 20 pounds, dude. You know, that has an impact on, on mobility. I mean, his thing is speed and agility. Talk about Clemens, too. Clemens added weight, and it, it became a clunker. That's right. I mean, and he was mad about it, too. Man, we saw that. He was pissed every game, fucking starting trouble. You know, so, uh, you know, it's – um. It's one of those things where you, you have to really, you know, why did we draft him? Well, they wanted him to play the wide nine and use his speed to be able to get around the tackle on the edge before the tackle can set and get into position. Will McDonald was uh, was fast and agile enough to get around. You start adding 20 pounds and trying to talk to him about setting the edge, you might just blow up the whole thing. We saw it with Sheldon Richardson, man. Sheldon Richardson was kind of playing our, our three technique, and he was dominant. He won rookie of the year. And then we kind of switched it around. We had him playing outside linebacker, uh, you know, and trying to play, you know, play the edge. And it, it kind of – it just nullified a lot of what he really was. Um, and I'd hate to see that. So, I mean, if, if you get down to if Huff comes back, Carl Lawson's going to be gone, so that helps. Michael Clemens, I mean, he'll still be in the rotation, but I don't know. I think I think you'll see uh, Will McDonald's playing time increase. What did, what did he have, 19% this year? Is that what he did? Yeah, I think it was – 19 let me yeah so yeah. bryce huff was 42 and mcdonald was 19. but the, yeah so i would i think you said 31 ish one of you either you were met yeah. i'm kind of if you, if you split it like down the middle on what uh lawson's snaps were lawson was 24 percent of the snaps for the games he played so i guess that it's going to be a smaller percentage if you only played in like five six games so maybe you're only getting like three percent or something like that across like a 17 game schedule. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, I think if Bryce Huff does resign, he's probably going to want to negotiate, you know, being somewhat of a more of an every down player. You know what I mean? He doesn't mm -hmm. want to just be situational. And I think some teams will do that. I think some teams would be willing to try him out at, you know, significantly more playing time uh, that don't have the depth that we have getting a Bryce Huff and just kind of sticking him in there as your edge. It's so funny, man. Like years ago, we didn't have this shit. It was like you had your four guys and they played the whole game. You know what I mean? They just 
played. And that was your group. And every now and then they get a blow, they twist their ankle, somebody comes in for a play, they get a shot of cortisone, and they come back in. It's like it's very different now. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think Bryce Huff wanting to, uh, you know, have more playing time, I, I think he's I think he's earned it. Now, whether or not he'll be effective, we saw um, you know, him play a lot more, including the first down plays. And he didn't, you know, he didn't have the same impact in that arena. I was going to say, I think, I, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I wanted to, you know, drum home that point that you were just making there. Uh, the, the run game, I think we averaged one yard more per carry uh, against us with Huff on the field versus not on the field. I think that was the the, the metric I had seen at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what do we do with that? So if Huff doesn't make it, obviously, I think Will McDonald's playing time goes up significantly. Look, I, I'm i a firm believer that when they drafted Will McDonald, it was because they were not planning to pay Huff. Now, maybe he did so well this year that they've changed their mind. Who knows? But I think that's kind of the plan there. And as, as sad as it is, it sucks. Like Matt was saying before, we're more than likely going to see him go somewhere and thrive. And it mm. sucks to kind of have a guy from undrafted free agency and develop him and watch him get better and better every year and then go, see you later. You know, <laughs> sucks. But and then we, we drafted Will McDonald. We should have drafted Anton Harrison. We wouldn't have this conversation. Completely agree. And one thing to to, to speak on that too is, we haven't even seen the peak of what Bryce Huff can have. We didn't have an offensive snap with the pos- with with the lead until halfway through week five, it, like against Denver. It was crazy that it took that long to have one snap from offense with a lead. You get Aaron Rodgers back there, and now you got to start passing on this Jets defense. Bryce Huff's gonna have 15, 16 sacks next year, easy if the Jets can score some points on offense. Matt, anything else to add to this Bryce Huff conversation? Please resign him so I don't have to watch him have 15 sacks somewhere else next year. Please. That's all. Great message to the fans. Uh, Blitzker comes in and says, we better sign free agents this year where the comp pick formula is a non-factor. Need to tag and trade him or we're getting nothing. McDonald better be ready. So, yeah, I, look, I, if you can flip Bryce Huff for a second-round pick, I think that's the the magic piece that allows you to say, okay, I'm fine with that. I understand the the financial side of it where you can't devote that much money to the defensive line group. You just paid Quinn and Williams. You have John Franklin Myers that you paid. You're going to have to pay JJ. You're going to have to pay Will McDonald at some point, and you have to spread around some of those, uh, those assets and whatnot. But yeah, if you can make it work where you at least get a comp pick for, for Bryce Huff, makes me feel better. But I want the second round pick. Trade him to somewhere in the NFC where you're not going to have to deal with him at all, and then... You know, get the highest pick you can. Any anything to add to this, Green Bean? No, I agree. Um, and Do- I see that Dom has a good comment coming up that kind of goes along with this. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I I would much prefer, like you know, the old saying, "A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush." Right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means if you're guaranteed five bucks, that's as good as somebody promising you ten tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Take the guarantee, man. That's it. It's like when you win the lottery. Wait, right? We're all gonna win the lottery at some point, and they're gonna say to you, "Hey, this is a hundred and eighty million dollars. We can give you a hundred million today, or if you take it over twenty years, you get it. Yo, fuck you. Give me the hundred million. 
You know, you don't yeah. want to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to play any games with the government. Give me the hundo. I'm going to get out of here and go buy myself a boat. You'll never see me again. I'm going to be smoking big old fat cigars. And, uh, and, and that'll be that. But it's like, so yeah, a bird in the hand. So if you can get the pick this year, and Dom's comment is interesting. I would still say take the pick this year. It so it just so happens we don't have a second round pick. It would really be beneficial to to get one in this draft. Um, so I would rather just do that, and we'll figure out 2025 when we figure that out. But it might be the way that we go, and we might see that end up happening. But I hope they get the second. Blitzcrew comes in says. Uh... McDonald is a different class of athlete than Clemens. Yeah, one's a first-round top 15 pick. The other one was a, what, fourth-round pick or fifth-round pick. Uh, DE comes in with a $1 Super Chat. Thank you so much. I didn't see any comment attached to it, so if you throw your comment in the chat, I'll have Matt take a look for it in there. We'll make sure you get uh, your question heard if that's what uh, you were looking to do. If you were just looking to throw a dollar at us, we can yeah. split one Arizona cannon. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, Dom C with Project Prospect. If you guys don't follow Dom C, make sure you check it out. And do we want to make any sort of announcements here tonight? We didn't really talk about it at all prior to the show, but do you guys want to say anything about uh, what I'm thinking of? Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. All right. Talking Jets is expanding. We've got three brand new shows coming to the Talking Jets channel. Myself and Dom C, starting uh, in February, I don't know if it's gonna be the first week in February or the second week in February, is gonna, uh, we're gonna be doing a draft breakdown of the different prospects each week, Monday night. Then Green Bean and Tigo are gonna have a show. Do we have a date on, on that one, day of the week, Green Bean? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it was Wednesday. I just had to figure out, it'll probably be eight to nine on Wednesday. Ooh, and then Matt is going to be joined by Jeremy, Jets Chaos, on some other day that I'm totally blanking on right now. Thursday afternoons, either 3 or 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. We haven't figured out the time, but we're going to do a little afternoon talking Jets for you. For the, uh, I want to just cruise through the last hour of my work day and watch YouTube Jet fans. Oh, that just sounds oh so awesome. You guys are going to be getting Talking Jets content across the entire week. So we're looking forward yeah. to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Dom comes in and he says, this draft class is good at the top, but not deep at all. NIL and transfer portal effect. Only 50 juniors declared down almost 50% from last year. Teams want picks in 2025. Comp picks are going to be a hot commodity. Wow. Okay, so that's interesting. So I knew NIL was taking, a, taking an impact. But I guess if I guess the, the next thought would be, is the NIL next year going to be of the same sort of uh, percentage base? And this is just the new norm that we're going to see. And you're, and you're going to consistently get this level of, of um, caliber player each year. This is also the first year we're seeing juniors able to play in the Senior Bowl. I think it's like 20% of the roster is allowed to be juniors uh, going yeah. to the Senior Bowl. It's a little goofy, um, but I it's don't totally hate goofy. it. I, I'll be honest, Change I don't hate name. it. If, if, yeah, but if the yeah, I, I know. I guess you could say it like oh, the junior about? senior bowl. The I don't know. Like I, I like seeing I like seeing questionable prospects go up against other questionable prospects. And if they're a junior or senior, I don't give a shit. I just want to see them go against like the top level competition here. Matt, your well, you thoughts? You know what? Oh, no. Green no, go to Green. I was just gonna say that's what the rest of the season is for. All right, this is the senior bowl. Damn it. You know what I mean? 
It's the opportunity for, for, for obscure seniors to get in there. The guys that stay in, you know, I don't know. I think it's just, there's, there are no boundaries anymore. Nobody cares about any words. They don't mean that. I know it's the senior bowl, but that eh, is juniors. There's sophomores. What about super ladies. seniors? You got, we had super senior bowl. We've had five year players go to the senior bowl. Yeah, yes, they should. See, that's fine. Is it super seniors? Yeah, it's totally different. Hmm. Interesting, Matt. What are your thoughts on? Uh, well, I guess on on Dom's comment about the NIL transfer portal stuff, and I guess the Senior Bowl in general. Yeah, he's right. I mean, for someone who's like, let's use quarterbacks for example. Some of the quarterbacks that are going back to school. It's like, would you rather go back to college and make millions of dollars, or, or you could maybe be a fourth round pick this year, but. Yep. Who knows if you play well, maybe next year you're looking at like a, a second or maybe even a first round pick. So I understand why they're going back to school uh, and betting on themselves in that way. And uh, listen, I, I, we love him. Green Bean is uh, one of a kind, but he, sometimes he gets a little old man yells at cloud. And oh, you little, said it. I wanted. I I love it. I'm so old glad you said that. Yells at, I, 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 I had it queued up. I was like, I'm going to say this. Matt, I love like it. Like I don't have substance to my arguments. Oh, you have plenty of substance. You and your, you know, yelling at at things out in the clouds and and whatnot. That's a cumulonimbus. No, it's a stratus. That's bullshit. I hate that comparison. Is that an igneous <laughs> cloud? Is that a thing or is that a rock? Comments. Igneous is only a rock. Dude, uh. tell me about it's the senior bowl. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just I just wish I cared about something as much as this bothers you. Like, I just don't have I don't have it in me to be this riled of her. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not really riled. It's just, you know, it's just the way, you know, I'm very, very situational. I have a short fuse that burns very fast, man. Very, very fast. <laughs> and we love speaking. You speaking of the senior bowl, boys and girls, make sure you hit that like button. On your way in here, we have over 300 people here in the chat and only 130 likes. It would do us a great deal. Uh, if you would hit that like button, if you're enjoying what you're seeing here on the Talking Jets channel, it means a lot to us that you do that. And if you want to get entered on t-shirt jersey giveaway, all you got to do is leave a time-stamped comment down below and you'll get entered into next week's t-shirt jersey giveaway. We're going to be doing that at the end of the stream here in about 23 minutes. So uh, we're working our way through this. Piddledy Poo comes in, says, just get rid of Lawson. Simple. Jesus, why trade a proven talent for a possibility? Christ, never happy this team. Um, so Lawson's definitely gone. His contract is expiring. I don't foresee us re-signing him in any capacity. And as far as why would you trade away a proven talent? Because the proven talent wants to get paid a bucket load of money, and uh, you may have to do that. If you're going to pay $24 million for the franchise tag, are you willing to do that when you just spent two first-round picks in back-to-back uh, -back years on Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald when you have to try and improve the offensive side of the ball? And as soon as you slap Will uh, Bryce Huff, with that franchise tag, that $24 million is off your salary cap immediately until he's traded. So you have to wait. And if he wants to play hardball, he says, I, I want to play on that $24 million deal. I don't want to renegotiate with anyone right now. I'll play on that deal, just like Michael Pittman is saying over in Indianapolis. He wants to play on the franchise tag because he knows he's going to get the guaranteed money, and then someone's going to pay him anyway after that. The chances of getting hurt at that point are worth the $24 million that you're going to get paid. I think if I was Huff, I would like stick to my guns. I say, tag me and I will not work out a trade, 
or I'm hitting free agency. It's one or the other, and I think the Jets are going to get screwed in that capacity uh, because then he dictates his trade location. If we can't, uh, if we can't maintain that twenty-four million dollar cap hit, then we're going to have to sell him not at a loss, but like that's when you start thinking like maybe you get a fourth or a fifth round pick just to unload him, uh, and then that that leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I think, Matt, yep. your thoughts on that? Um, I hear Piddly Poo's final point of like. Why not just keep, you know, the the proven talent when you're in a year where you're supposed to be going for it? Like, does that second rounder move the needle as much for you? That's uh, that would be my question. I don't know if it does. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it does. But I I'm going to have a really hard time moving on from him. Uh, I really am. Joe M comes in with a super chat. Thank you so much. He says, who would be the next best player to trade after Huff to receive a second round pick? This is a great pick. Uh, great question. And unfortunately, it's one I don't want us to do, but I could see the Jets definitely doing it. And it's DJ Reed. I Stop don't want to make dude. I don't want to trade him. I do not want to trade him. But DJ Reed. So I, no, hey, let me let me let me just talk it out real quick. We got Stop to see it. no sauce Gardner. No DJ Reed versus the Philadelphia Eagles when they were what five and zero, six and zero at the time, and we clamped them down. That's the argument. That's that's the Jets saying, "Hey, our edge rush is so good. Our corners can be a little bit more sacrificed because we're gonna have Aaron Rodgers back there. We're gonna have more pressure on the corners anyway to, or on the wide receivers to try and make a uh, make a completion. The corners are gonna have a little bit easier of a job. We already have Michael Carter coming back. I want to give DJ Reed an extension." But if there was someone other than Huff that you could trade to get a second-round pick, I think DJ Reed is that player because of his cap hit, his age, and just the the riches that we currently have at that particular position. Matt, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think about trading DJ Reed, or what other player would you consider moving to get a second-round pick? I hate it. I hate it because all you, you could just extend him, and if you extend him, it frees up $7.5 million this year. You don't have to trade. Like You can't be like, oh, we're – we're gonna go. We're gonna go all in this year. We're gonna have our all in year. But hold on, no. We're gonna take our best asset and make it worse. You have the elite defense. You have the elite special teams. You need the offense. Don't take away from the things that you're good at. Just add. That's it. Use the picks that you have. Use the cap space that you have to add. Don't worry. As fans get too much, want to sign up for these lottery tickets and go this second round pick. Great. Maybe you'd get something great. There's a chance that you do, but maybe you end up in uh, Stephen Hill in the second round. You know, I, I don't know, guys. Like, can we just keep our good players, especially DJ Reed? He's a top 15 corner in the NFL. They had one good game without him. He's been great. Extend him. Save the $7 million that way. What if, now Greenbean, I'll throw this one to you. What if you get offered a late first for Reed? Does that change the conversation as opposed to like a middle of the pack second? You're asking me? Let's yeah, um, let's say you let's say you're offered pick well, 30. I don't know who has pick well we don't know who has pick 30 right now. But let's say you're offered pick 30 and you were going to be offered pick I don't know, middle of the second round, whatever that is. Does that and, change okay. the thought process at all? It, it changes the consideration, but I want you to know that I agree wholeheartedly with what Matt is saying. Now, you can't keep everybody, right? So we know that like a Bryce Huff is going to be difficult. DJ Reed is under contract. It's a it's a it's a non-issue, right? Yes, whether or not we can extend him is a different story. Now, maybe he's saying 
there's no way I'm extending. Or I mean, if you know in a year you're going to lose them, maybe that helps you kind of, you know, lean over toward the trade. But I think leave well enough alone. We have arguably the best cornerback trio in the NFL, uh, and they're all under contract. Uh, leave them alone. It is my belief that a lot of what the defensive line can do is because of what you know our cornerback play looks like uh, on the back end. So they're very symbiotic, and it, you know usually it's like we either have cornerbacks under Rex and really no offensive line this or I'm sorry defensive line to speak of, or we have this great defensive line but our cornerbacks suck. Like so we have it. So I would do everything I could not to tamper with that. Now, if somebody's offering me a first for DJ Reed and I was able to re-sign Bryce Hall, I would consider it uh depending on who I could get there, but the whole idea of getting a second round pick is is important. I understand the lottery ticket thing and and you just never know. But we're looking at guys like, you know, look, we're looking at the Jordan Morgans, uh, the Fatuanus. Uh, Brendan of, of Rice, Jerry Rice's yeah, son, who's well, on our senior bowl team. There. Graham Barton. So we're looking that that early second round, that early to mid second round. Those are the kinds of tackles that are going to be there. So when you're talking about a, a you know, uh, a neighbors or a Rome, you know, Odunes, one of those guys, and you feel like you can't pass them up. If you have that second round pick, it can help you make that decision. You could you could lean that way more realistically. If you're talking about ignoring tackle until pick seventy two, that's a problem. That's a whole different thing than if you have pick forty one. You know what I'm saying? So you could justify it. So I, you know, I don't know, but I wouldn't trade uh, DJ Reed now. JFM in a fourth for a second, mm-hmm. something like that, maybe, maybe I talk about that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to mess with DJ Reed. Yeah, I, I would say of those options, if JFM with a, a pick addition. Uh, could get you a second round pick. That would be my preference. And I, like you guys said, I do not want to trade DJ Reed at all. I'm just answering the question. J Boy says trade Reed Ryan, take a walk to hell with the draft. Right? Uh, yeah, I don't right, want to trade DJ Reed. <laughs> I do not want to make it very clear. Do not trade DJ Reed. Now his contract does expire next year. He or uh, after 2024, he's got void years on there. Can you franchise tag a void year player, or are you not able to franchise tag a voided player? You're asking all the right questions. See, that's an important thing to know because we don't really have other players that you would consider franchise tagging. Uh, not that you necessarily want to pay Reed whatever the you know the franchise tag price might be at that point, but uh, you know Michael Carter the second's really the only other free agent that we're going to have, and I don't foresee us using a franchise tag on him for that. The other thought is like if you can get a comp pick for Reed later on, I would rather get the the comp pick in 2026 for DJ Reed because we let him walk after next season, then trade him now in a year we want to go all in for with Aaron Rodgers. Now, obviously, I would love to resign Reed and keep him longer than that, but you know, given the two options, I'm not not interested in, in trading Reed. Radovan comes in, says, no matter what, I think you need to sign a left tackle and a right tackle before the draft. I don't care if your left tackle is Tyron Smith 
or Becton, but you got to cover both before the draft. I think the way the Jets are going to cover both is by signing one tackle that either has positional flexibility or signing a left tackle and having AVT be the cover for right tackle. And then if one of the tackles you like falls to 10, that's when you make the selection. And then at least you have that shielded protection of, uh, not giving away what your draft pick's going to be. Like, we telegraphed we wanted a tackle last year, and the Steelers jumped in front of us to take Broderick Jones. So, like, as long as we're not telegraphing what we want to do in the draft, that's where I stand. So I, I do agree with you, Radovan. I just don't think you're going to sign left and right tackle. I think AVT is going to be one of those. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this comment? I'd be surprised if they are able to sign two starting caliber like a left tackle and a right tackle that's a lot of money with a lot of other things that they need to do one of those things yes like one of those positions absolutely but i agree with you like they're gonna they're not gonna make it known where they're gonna have uh avt play and it could be oh well you know they could play insert whoever they sign in for agency or and or elijah Vera tucker at tackle so they don't necessarily need to go with the tackle in the first round maybe they do something else um but yeah, I would be really, really surprised if they signed a left tackle and a right tackle in free agency before the draft. Greenby, what about you? Left tackle, right tackle before the draft? Do you think the Jets wind up trying to go after both? Yeah, I do. I But to not argue with Matt, I don't know if they're going to be starter caliber. I think, and, and what Radovan is kind of alluding to from my standpoint is like we just need to we need to bolster it right now if we're depending on the draft uh for the starter but we have like we've started developing the depth on the on the team like that 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 second rung i'm fine with that too like there has to be some urgency like there we have to see joe douglas come out and go tackle tackle guard tackle. you know what i mean he's got to be doing that stuff wide receiver and then you go into the draft and that and then that starts to kind of play into what you were saying ryan which is you know we can't go into the draft with an obvious need at 10. somebody at 12 or 13 they're gonna jump us if a fashanu uh, makes it there, they're going to jump us. And uh, and we don't need to see that again. It's it's very frustrating. And we don't need to do that. So if we at least go out, excuse me, in, in, in free agency and start getting guys that could be starters, but, you know, aren't that premium type of guy, then that helps us out a lot. And, and I think that's the way we should go. I, I hope Joe Douglas gets a whole mess of offensive linemen in free agency. D.E. comes in with a super chat, says, Jets fan in Ohio, longtime watcher with pick 10, wide receiver or offensive line. I want wide receiver. We draft defense all the time. I want wide receiver. Give Rodgers a weapon. So the way I play it out in my head is the Jets will get a tackle in free agency, and I think wide receiver is going to be incredibly hard given the franchise tags that I think are going to be given out. That's why it's so critical that the Jets get something for Bryce Huff. If you can get that second round pick, this this draft is so deep at wide receiver. It's so deep at offensive tackle. I want to get both. And I think if you have to wait till the third round, you're going to start playing with fire when you need to rely on that player from a day one starter perspective. So I, I, I it's a middle of the line stance, but it kind of depends on what happens in free agency. If you can get a Cortland Sutton or if you can get, you know, even a Mike Williams or something like that, then I would feel a little more comfortable waiting till the third round to get another wide receiver in here. But if you strike out in free agency, I don't know how you, you know, you don't go with one of those needs there. Matt, what's your thoughts? Offensive lineman, wide receiver. Yeah, I think to me, you got to, you absolutely have to go offensive line. 
uh, in that scenario, right? But what if instead of trading uh, a player on their, you know, and their go, you know, go for it win now window, what if they use a 2025 pick to get up into the second round? They're trading, you know, a third and mm. a, whatever it is next year to get up into the second round this year. So you have your first, second, mm. two fourths, and do it that way. Um, not necessarily advocating for it, but just an, another thought process uh, along here to get additional picks. Yeah, I would bet the 2025 second and third round picks are probably up for grabs in terms of trading for a weapon. Like if, you know, would you give up a 2025 second for Cortland Sutton, for example? Like I I would probably do that uh, based on where he projects. But um, that's a great thought, great thought process. You know, do you move more picks to get back up into the second round? Greenbean, your thoughts, wide receiver, offensive lineman at number 10. Again, DE, it really does depend on what we're able to accomplish in free agency. But just where we stand right now, um, I say you gotta you gotta forego the shiny objects, the glitter, and you gotta bolster the meat and potatoes of the team. Clearly, our offensive line is an issue. We saw it from game one. It is my uh, opinion that uh, the offensive line, whether it was the schematic decision or whether or not our guys just sucked the big old balls, uh, Aaron Rodgers, we lost him because he was being chased all over the place the first four plays of his Jets career. And uh, and then we saw Zachy Poo and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon. They were all getting beat up and killed because we don't have an offensive line to speak of. And it's time, man. It's time to stop playing the bargain basement game and just get solid offensive linemen in here. And it just so happens at 10, there's more than likely going to be one of those guys available. I hear you in hindsight, you know, a CD lamb over a Becton would have been real nice, uh, real nice. But so would a Tristan worse. You know what I mean? It was just a bad, it was just the wrong choice. Um, who could, uh, who, who could have known? I don't know. All three um, of us but, did. Yeah. <laughs> I point know. In time. Um, Ace of Spade saying. comes in and says, for Huff, can't we get a late first from a contender? Right now, the back part of the draft, uh, it is, well, you know, we obviously don't know the final four teams, but Baltimore, San Francisco, Detroit, Kansas City, Buffalo, Arizona, because they traded with uh, Houston, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, then you get to Dallas, Houston, Philly, Miami, Pittsburgh, and the Rams. Do you see any of those teams potentially needing an edge rusher uh, that could give up a late first, Matt? Uh, that's a great, great question. I want to look at the list again. You ran, ran through them nice, but my brain is slow and can't comprehend all these things. That's all right. Uh, I'm all looking at Tankathon right now. So it's like, yeah, that's what I pulled up. I, I feel like I'm looking at Baltimore, San Francisco as the two spots that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have connections to that might yeah. value those particular players. And Bryce Huff, I, did Chase Young wind up signing an extension with, uh, Maybe you get a maybe you get an early second from the Chargers. Is that an option? The Chargers are going to have to cut Khalil Mack. Yeah, Chargers. I like that Chargers one. That's a good take. Yeah, let's see if it's uh, top of the second round. Pick thirty-seven from the Chargers would be where I think you might be able to get a pick from uh, for Bryce Huff. Delightful. Yeah, I'd be happy right? with that. Yeah. I would. I think that would be perfect. And again, like, at, dude, if we nail down 37 prior to the draft, if it's a draft day thing, 
you know, well, you, you don't make the trade unless you like what's there, right? Um, mm -hmm. But if we are able to lock that down and we have pick 37, so before we're able to, you know, before we're on the board for the for our first round pick, that opens up so much because there is a very strong chance that some of these offensive tackles and wide receivers for that matter um, are going to be hanging around for pick 37. It happens every single year, uh, you know, wide receivers in particular, but also offensive linemen that early part of the, of the second round, you can find gold there. And if uh, you know, and if you feel confident that, you know, look, if you really like, just as an example, um, you know, a, a, a Graham Barton, and you feel confident that he's going to be there, um, you know, it, at that point, then maybe you do take a swing on a neighbor's. You know what I mean? Where before you felt kind of penned in, you know, you might like neighbors a little bit more. And he's not making it to 10 anyway, but just just a as in, you know, for conversation's sake, you know, he's sitting there and you really like him, but you need the tackle. You know what I mean? You don't want to do that shit. So having that second round pick, especially if it's up front, man, that's the fifth pick in the second round. That would be delightful. I'm, I'm, I'm. Look at just go back over the years and look at the first ten picks in the second round. You're gonna be like, holy shit, he was a second round pick. Mm -hmm. He was a second round pick. Holy shit, he was a second round. Like that's the way it goes. That front part of the first round is is a gold mine, and um, and I would love to be there again. And uh, you know, I hate to lose Huff, but if you're gonna lose Huff, that's a sweet spot to to get your pick. Wild Wave comes in and says, bro, if we crying about these players, imagine when we can't re-sign our core four because we kept kicking money down the road. I say we trade Reed or Huff. So I very much don't want to lose our core four. But I think if the season goes sideways next year and everyone gets fired, I think those some of those players, not all of them, I think we'll keep probably two of the four, but we may wind up trading players to the core four with Brees, Sauce, Garrett, and Jermaine. That's what I would qualify as our, our core oh, four guys. Okay. And I don't want to see them gone. Like I, I want to have success and I want them to be locked in long-term here. But I think if let's say, you know, Rogers doesn't return to form or Garrett has like a bad year because of poor quarterback play or Rogers gets hurt or something like that. I think Garrett's going to get traded because the new regime coming in is going to have to deal with the dead cap hit of Aaron Rodgers. And if we give up a pick in 2025 to move up in the round, like Matt was talking about uh, just a few minutes ago, I think that's where you start having these Jamal Adams type conversations where a new regime comes in. They say, hey, we want to get our guys in here. We want to get guys, you know, out that don't want to be here. And then you run into the risk of, you know, Brees Hall after next year, he's he's three years out of his rookie year. He's going to need a contract because he's not going to play as the top running back in the league or top three running back in the league. He will not play on that fourth year. You're going to have to give him a contract. So you start dealing with these sort of situations of do you wind up trying to go for draft picks or trying to resign guys if you're pushing the 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 bag of money further down the, the line. So with Reed and Huff, are you willing to do that? I don't think Huff or Reed for next year would do that, though. I, I think you would only impact next year's cap, and we still have plenty of cap space in the future. Like 2025, I think we have over $100 million in salary cap space. So there, yeah. there's plenty of money for the Jets to figure out how to keep these four long-term. You just got to do it. Matt, your thoughts on, on potentially losing some of our core four? Not a concern. Uh, not a concern for me. The cap goes up astronomically every single year. 
Uh, and I mean, there's a conversation probably for two years from now anyway, but with the running back, you probably just run him four years, franchise tag him for one more, and then you let him walk when he's just about done anyway. Greenbeam, what about you? Core four, what are you uh, thinking if we potentially lose one of them? Well, it's funny. Um, Joey Jets in the chat, when we talk about the core four, he said David Harris. And that's funny because that's where yeah. my mind went. The last time we were talking about that, it was Mangold, DeBrick, Rebus, and uh, David Harris. It's like, oh, how wonderful. You know, uh, you know, no no, no wide receivers, no fucking running backs. Like it's just, you know, a center, a tackle. It's you know, anyway. But um, you know, when we have great players, that's that that that's what it looks like. But I don't know. I, I tend to agree with Matt. It's like, you know, um, you know, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face, like, you know, like, you know, worrying about two years from now and like limiting what you can accomplish this year is is fear based thinking like you don't do that, man. You go for you'll fuck, you'll figure it out in 2027 or whatever. You'll figure it out. We do it and you'll see maybe, uh, you know, God forbid one of those guys. Uh, gets injured and they lose uh, all the all the you know that that premium ability uh, that they who knows right like we just don't know so you can't like use that type of fear to govern what you're going to do now we got to go in dude look whether we like it or not and I'm just going to remind Jets fans uh, I know a lot of people are like I don't like Aaron Rodgers running the team 99% of Jets fans not everyone but most were ecstatic that the Jets went and got Aaron Rodgers, right? We were willing to deal with Hackett, but whatever it was, we wanted him. We were happy. September 11th, going into that game, we were psyched. Go all in. Make it work. Stop with this shit, you know, like, oh, I think we should draft this guy and that because if it doesn't work with Aaron Rodgers, fuck that. We need to go. We need to make this work. Whatever we have to do, if we got to eat a shit sandwich in 2026, then we sit down, tuck our napkin in like a bib, get our fork and knife, and we dig into the shit sandwich. That's what we got to do. This has to work. And if we get a ring out of it, who cares? Right? Who cares? We need to make sure that this one works at all costs, in my opinion. If you got to overpay a little bit, you over now. I'm not talking about mortgaging the future, right? Like, you know, like you were like talking about a you know a month ago, Ryan, like you know, trading the next two years firsts. Yeah, I don't want to see that. But at the same time, if you need to go two million over what your valuation is for a play, then you do it. You make sure that you're the team to get the guys that you need, and you go into the draft uh with some, you know, some uh some mobility. And you and and you get it all done, man. And you make the Aaron Rodgers thing work. And don't be afraid of of the core. I understand what Wild Wave is saying totally. But dude, they're gonna be here a minute. They 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 just finished year two. We have time with those fellas. WM says Quinn and Williams should be your core one. Yes, Quinn and Williams is yeah. part of our core four. But Quinn and Williams is already locked up long term. So I think that was sort of implied with the with the comment there. Uh, Julian comes in with the super chat says, do you guys see Zach Wilson in the Seahawks? That to me would be ideal. And I'd like to, cause I'm a Seahawks fan. So Julian, thank you for checking out talking jets as a Seahawks fan. Um, yeah. if you want him, what would you give us? I'm just curious what, what, what you think his value is. That is, uh, the interesting thing for me. I think I would trade him anywhere that we could get a pick for 
um, and not eat that five point whatever million dollars. So yes, I would love to see him in Seattle. Uh, J-Boy, the answer is development late picks into stars. So you have to be able to start hitting on some of your late round picks. And like our best ones that we've really hit on were Bryce Hall, Michael Carter II. Um, you know, there's not too many that have consistently hit for us. We have some like depth pieces, which is fine. But if you can get any of these guys turning into stars, like Greenbean was talking about earlier with the fifth, sixth, seventh round offensive lineman. And Matt was talking about this the other week where it was, you know, every offensive line has value from a cheap free agent perspective or a, a late round draft pick that has provided value over the top of what they uh, initially, I guess, were drafted for. But yes, 100%, uh, got to get those late picks. And then Ron Weiss comes in here with a super chat, says, guys, we will go to the draft party if Matt eats some beef stew, LOL. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> He's going to love it, too. Hey, you know what's funny? Let me just say this. I actually met, I had the opportunity on Saturday to drive up to Fredericksburg and meet a couple of beanbaggers. So uh, you guys might know Wyatt. He's a Marine uh, oh, yeah. from Wyoming. He stayed, so he, he's in California, but he was over here. That's why we went up there and, and another guy and my son. And what did Wyatt order? Like we were in a colonial pub in Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's like a civil war town. What did he get? Beef stew, baby. I thought of you guys. I went, ah, fucking beef stew. He's like, yeah, beef stew's the best. I'm like, I know. We got to teach these guys, man. They don't know. So, yeah, we'll get some beef stew, Ron, if that happens. I love it. Boys and girls, if you have not answered our poll question, we've got almost 300 people that have voted on it. Would you attend an in-person talking Jets draft party if we did it at a bar, a venue, something like that? We're kicking around the idea. Uh, so if you want to vote on that, we'd love to hear your thought process on it. Blitzcrew comes in with a super chat at the very end here, says, we do, uh, why do we do well with undrafted free agents, but suck at late picks? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it's because we have more ability to sign undrafted free agents, like from a, you know, you could get 10 of them as opposed to, you know, maybe one or two or three late round picks in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. So I don't know. That's law of averages, I guess, is my, my thought on that. Um... Matt, can you head over to last week's Talking Jets stream, please? On it. And then, Mr. Greenbean, could you head over and let me know how much uh, or how many people we have in our giveaway tonight? Well, prior to the Matt O'Leary infusion, I have 26. 26, cool. And then, Matt, let us know how many people timestamped last week's episode. Uh, 18. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. let's, let's take, do we want to do a third of it? Do we want to do six? Nah, let's do five. Mm, I feel like five. We'll, we'll do five. Randomness five. Randomness five. Uh, okay. First one is Andrew Grizanka. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling uh, around. Andrew's the cheesehead guy. Andrew's the cheesehead dude. So he, he's the one that came up to us at the, at the group by with the airplane cheesehead. Okay. Awesome. Good awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice. He actually called uh, into my show last night. We got Dan Hops. All right. Does he jump as well or only hop? <laughs> skips, only actually. Hop. Oh, skips. Dan skips. <laughs> Eric Craig. Hey. Good All man. Right. Good man. Yeah. We'll go Greg Gagne. Ooh, Greg's in the chat. 
You know what's funny? Is it Gagne? I call him the gag. Gag. Gag? Oh, I like the gag. That's kind of like us calling like lima bean and multivitamins. Yeah, it's part of the bit. Love it. Uh, and then we'll we'll close Jason uh, Ratcliffe. He's got a few in here. Ah, there we go, Jason. Good man. Yeah. Jason Related Jason. to Daniel, if I'm not mistaken. Harry Potter. Indeed. Mm. Right. Ratcliffe. Harold. Oh, Matt pronounced Harold. it right, says uh, Greg. It's Gagney. Or got, wait, Matt how do you didn't pronounce know. it? He was saying Gagney. Like the closer. Eric Greg, Gagne. you're wrong. Your name is not pronounced that way. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Matt's it's wrong. Gagney. Yeah, it's the, the gag. gag. The gag. I his like brothers that. Greg's good people. Every time I see his name, I think there he is. The gag's here. He's oh, I now, <laughs> yeah. see now I got to start calling him. I love that. That's a great nickname. Good dude. Yeah. Uh, so what are we at from a, a total count perspective, Greenbean? Uh, 31. 31. Let's see. Mr. Random number generator says, ooh, number two. Who's number two? Number two, that is our good buddy, Hennessy Heisman. Ooh. Oh, Henny, Henny, Henny. Henny. Let's see what happens, baby. Jersey. Tonight's the night. They ain't going to make it. He gets a mug. I love it. Reach out to us. Talking Jets show at gmail.com or Jets Talk 24-7 at gmail.com. Get your shipping information. We'll send you out a nice old mug that you can collect Dolphin and Bills fan tears in and drink them <laughs> up and just be oh so smitten and happy that uh you know that you got it. So reach out to us. We love you. Thank you so much for playing. Do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars. Uh boys and girls, we have reached the end of our show. Let's go around and uh Give our closing thoughts. Green Bean, any last words? Yeah, we'll do the Thursday thick of it this week. I uh, I, I didn't know it, but I ended up taking a week off last week. Uh, so we're back, uh, Thursday thick of it. But we start the Monday night 10 o'clock mock with uh, Dom C and myself on February 5th. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to see how the hell I make it to work at 4 in the fucking morning. Uh, after starting a stream at 10 p.m. So I'm really looking forward to this experiment. Uh, but yeah, excited to do all that stuff. It's going to be a great off season, everybody. Matt, any last words for our panel? I'm really excited for, uh, I mean, you hinted at it a little bit, but the new shows coming to Talking Jets in February. Make sure to uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Be on the lookout for pretty much daily content over on this channel. And uh Whole lot of fun going on and planning a draft party. So exciting times here in Jetsland as always. Hell yeah. We are excited for the launch of these three new shows starting in February. Tigo, Jeremy, and Dom C joining the family for Talking Jets. They've been a part of the family. They've just been like, you know, cousins yeah. for, for a little bit. Now we're bringing them in. Can you marry your yeah, cousin? Because that's what we're doing. We're, we're married. They're brothers. No. That's what it is. <laughs> Boys and girls, we're going to be covering some draft stuff over on Jets Talk 24 7. Uh, you know, Regular Jet stuff, all that good stuff. Monday call-in show. You guys want to voice your opinion on things. But it's been a lot of fun. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S. Just go somewhere else. I can't take this nonsense anymore. How are you going to blame the defense? I got the power. Screw Green Bean. <laughs> Damn it. But once you get to the sausage, I feel like we're doing something. Go Jets.
And that's the other part of it, is the people are insanely jealous of this show. This show gets the best of the best, and it does a different way, with positivity. What would you give up to see a Jets Super Bowl? All of my friends and family. <laughs> Hit those milk thumbs, boys and girls. Freeze run. Hold on to your underwear, ladies. And stand by, bitches. It's now time for Talking Jets with your hosts, Matt, Ryan, and Greenbean. Jets, Jets!